one. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us today. It's 503-228-4101. Here's the best thing uh, that you didn't hear just now because it was uh, with the microphones off. That Weezer song that just played Hashpipe, I mean, has got to be... Has got to be six or seven years old. I mean, I think we probably played it 50,000 times in the station. And there was this great moment where Tim just said, wait a minute, did he say hash pipe? And then arched an eyebrow sort of suspiciously and then went back to, uh, and then went back to, uh, you know, to, to sort of prepping his news. So, yes, yes, he did, Tim. It is the Rick Emerson Show. I'm here with uh, Tim Riley alongside Greg Nibbler, who is in for uh, Sarah Excellent today. How are things going, Hi, Greg? Oh, that's awesome. Oh, lovely. How are things? I am pressing <laughs> buttons and things are happening. Is this part of that new uh, digital broadcast that I've been hearing so much about? Uh, we're playing multiple uh, things at once. Is that? Uh, are we giving people more audio in the same amount of time? That's right. We're giving them more for their money right now. We're multitasking. If yes. I were to ask you uh, right now, what are the odds that Tim's news intro will play correctly? What would you, I mean, on the classic sort of 1 to 10 scale? On a 1 to 10 scale, I would say it's about a 3 right now. <laughs> That's that's about how confident I am that this is actually going to happen. Awesome. But uh, I've I've made some adjustments. So, just, uh, just look at me with that panic look, and I, I'll know it's time yeah. to go. The deer in headlights look. That's a that's a look that we've come to know very intimately on this program. Everybody we, understands what's happening. We have changed that, that look on numerous occasions during every programming. Good God, what's happening? Yes, it's sort of the... Somebody uh, start talking, please. <laughs> oh, dear Lord, things have gone terribly awry. Uh, coming up in about 20 minutes, we'll talk to uh, uh, Dr. Yvonne Fulbright, uh, who will talk to us about the, uh, you know, the uh, the carradining uh, of of one's of oneself to attain. And not a, a moment too soon. No, to attain. <laughs> well, it really might have been it might have been several moments too late, actually. Really, when one uh, when one thinks about it, it's five zero three two two eight four one zero one. We'll also talk to senior radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins and Aaron Duran uh, will be with us later on to talk about Pelham. One, two, three. At the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. Oh, that's awesome. I can actually hear from where I am right here. I can hear the mouse click. I can hear you press down the button on the mouse and then just a lot of... And tumbleweeds blowing through the studio as nothing played. Well, I, I just should say good morning to everybody anyway. Hello, Tim Riley. How are you? It's uh, 601 at KUFO Portland. You can expect some showers all weekend long. High temperatures will be in the low 70s. This is the big day. It's being called the biggest change in television broadcasting since we changed from black and white to color in 1954. Who changed from black and white to color in 1954? No That's one. what it says here. We didn't change the color of my house to like 1969 or 70. I had a black and white television in 1979. So I don't know where these kids who were writing this got... 1954. Apparently, that's when they made the first ones that nobody could afford. Well, today, television stations nationwide turn off the analog transmitters and go entirely digital. They say we're going to get a higher quality image that uses far less bandwidth than ever before. So here in Portland, the uh, switchover times vary. The smartest station, as they always are, Fox 12 is going to turn this into a media event by doing it right after Good Day Oregon, which is like the top-rated television station uh, program at that time of the morning. Uh, they're going to do it at 9. PDX 49 follows at 9.30. KGW throws the switch at 3.05. And we're not sure about anybody else because they didn't list the times on the website. So. Awesome. The idea that everybody was switching over to color in 1954, when you ask where do they uh, get the idea that that happened, like where – that's what – this is what occurs when you interview Wikipedia as the source for your mm -hmm. news story. 
uh, when there's some intern having to crank out a piece about the digital trans uh, transition, and they say, "I don't know, just uh, get on the internet and find out when the last time something like this happened." I, I mean, it was available, but but the color cameras at that time were as big as yachts, and nobody could fit them in the <laughs> studio to put anything in color anyway. Here's how old I am. I I actually am old enough that I remember them advertising color television on television, which even as a kid struck me as uniquely ludicrous. What is the point of getting on TV to try to sell me a color TV? It because I can't, and there would always be a guy standing in front of the screen, too. There was this guy, his last name was, um, I'll, I'll say his first name. His first name was Johnny. And there was this guy, Johnny so-and-so, and he ran this appliance store in Kennewick, Washington. And I remember that one of the big ticket items he was always pushing, uh, even when I was a kid, they had these with, with like, those colored TVs that are, like, inside a piece of furniture. It's like, you know, where they had, those, like, the fake, like, the brass handles at the bottom of the TV that opened nothing. It looked like there were supposed to be drawers there, but they didn't do anything at all. And so Johnny would get on TV from, like, Johnny's Appliance-Satorium or whatever, and he would say, and as you can see, the color on this, and he was oblivious to the fact that as he was using the television to advertise color television, I couldn't see the glorious color if I had a black and white TV and it was a waste of time if I already had a color television. And the probably the closest comparison I can think of to what's happening today with the digital thing is like everybody's sort of switching from like a 14-4 dial-up modem to cable internet or something. Mm-hmm. That's that's probably the more apt comparison, it would seem to me. And I, I also remember the, the television station in New Hampshire that I grew up with, there's only one, uh, Channel Live, which they still have, which is uh, a state-of-the-art television station now due to the fact that they have the first nation presidential primary and the candidates dump zillions of dollars there. So they have state-of-the-art everything. But back then, they had one color camera and one black and white camera. So depending on what program you were watching, you saw the person first in color and then in black and white, and then it was time for a Popeye cartoon. (laughs) As it always is, Tim. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, here's another story from your neck of the woods about radioactive wasps that are bugging nuclear cleanup workers. If this wasn't bad enough, now they got to deal with radioactive wasps at Hanford. They built nests which have been largely abandoned by their flighty owners, in holes in south-central Washington's Hannaford Nuclear Reservation. Uh, that's uh, back in 2003 when workers finished covering the cleaned-up waste with fresh topsoil. Native plants and straw were put in to help the plants grow. They created a perfect ground cover for insects to build nests. Well done. So today the nests could number the thousands. They're contaminated with radioactive isotopes, such as calcium and cobalt, I guess the average person doesn't know this, but people who live there must know what this stuff means. They pose a significant threat to workers digging them up. As for the wasps themselves, they're largely long gone. Well, that's nice. Where are they now? <laughs> Imagine like drawing the short straw that day when you go to work. What are you supposed to do? Well, I have to, uh, I have to go clean out the water cooling system. How about you? I get to go uh, dig up the nest of thousands and thousands of radioactive wasps. It's the best day ever. Well, it says here the workers who've started excavating three weeks ago to dig up the wasp nest infected area and no protective clothing is required no of course is this not. a right to work state <laughs> it's, a I right mean... to die while working <laughs> well it's a desert tim all that uh, that clothing just keeps you hot they take away their freedom you don't want to <laughs> you don't want to do that um here's a couple of things uh, see this is you're right in my wheelhouse uh, i thought i would not that, that's why i gave it to you because i am that is uh, i am from that town hanford is sort of hanford is to my hometown of kennewick uh as uh i don't know it was like beaverton or something is to portland portland i mean it's, it's, it is the paris of eastern washington <laughs> that's right tim it is uh right on the uh it's it's the it's the versailles of south of the southeastern northwest 
Um, so growing up there, the Hanford nuclear facility is, is, is just right there. And you would always hear these stories uh, about how, in fact, I think there was one in the, uh, the Tri-City Herald, which is the paper of record in, in Kennewick, about how 20% of like all the plant and animal life and everything there is, is radio, has traces of radioactivity on it, which means that if you're just to walk down the street and just one out of every five, you know, whatever, horses, dogs, trees, ants, one out of every five you see has some sort of radiation on it. And when you ask what cobalt is, it doesn't, I mean, cobalt, I, I, I do believe, is one of the byproducts of making weapons-grade plutonium. So if you're seeing wasps or anything in the air sort of buzzing, it's not bad enough that things got a massive teeth and stingers. It's also filled with radioactivity, which means that everybody in my hometown will eventually have super spider-like ability. That's the sort of uh, upside of that. The downside is that, as you said, it's like that Simpsons episode where they bring in Whatever they they bring in like a, a like a like a frog or something to help rid the town of like of, of a fly and then the frog uh, the, reproduces to the point that it's taking over Springfield so then they have to bring in a bird to get rid of the frog. They have all this problem with the topsoil there. So what? Because nothing will grow in Kennewick because it's a freaking desert. So what they do is to try to make it so things will grow there. They bring in all this vegetation and they weave it into the ground near you know a nuclear facility. Which then, as you just said, turns out to be the perfect breeding ground for wasps, which are then filled, yes, with plutonium. I mean, it's just like it's the best town ever. You, I mean, it's, we're just, you're just one step away from having giant ants uh, found inside some sort of a drainage culvert and we'll be carrying your children off to their nests. Well, anyway, so there you go. Oh, by the way, just a, a, one final note. Would you talk about being a right-to-work state? Yes. My uncle and my grandfather both worked out at the Hanford Nuclear Facility, which they don't even call Hanford. If you live in, uh, and this is a thing I never realized uh, was creepy until I moved away. When you grow up in, in Kennewick, they don't call it the Hanford Nuclear Facility. They just call it the area. And that's all they call it. Capital T, capital A. Sort of like in Utah, they don't talk about the Mormon church. They just talk about the church. So my grandfather and my uncle both worked out at the area. And my grandfather was a firefighter and my uncle was a... Uh, he was a guy whose sole job it was to determine if rooms were too radioactive for humans to actually enter them, like if there was some sort of a spill of some kind. And he used to carry this badge around, and it didn't have his name, it didn't have his picture, it didn't have any identifying marks on it whatsoever, but it was always clipped on his pocket. And I asked him one time, I said, well, what, what is up with that badge? Because it doesn't say anything. And the whole purpose of the badge was just to determine if you had been dosed with a lethal amount of radiation. And if the badge ever turned black... That was one of those things where, like, they just lock the doors like you're that guy in Watchmen and they don't let you out. You know, they just sort of, where they just look at you through the glass. Sorry, Bob, I, uh, I'll take care of your wife after you're gone. I, uh, sorry things worked out this way. So, there you go. That's, uh, life in my hometown. Here's Tim Riley. Man, these senior citizens are just going wild everywhere. Now we have 71-year-old Ernst Lobig being charged with DUI after slamming into a cop car in the 5100 block of East Burnside. Luckily, the policeman was not injured. Uh, President Obama wrote a note to excuse a 10-year-old girl from playing hooky at school. My name is John Corpus. I'm fortunate enough to be here with my 10-year-old daughter who is missing her last day of school for this. I hope she doesn't get oh, in trouble. No. Yeah. Do you need me to write a note? Uh, I'll take you up on that, actually, Mr. President. All right, go, go ahead. Uh, I'll, I'll start writing it now. What's your name? John Corpus. No, her. Oh. <laughs> Well, considering uh, I have some people here from work that are uh, very interested in, in no, what no, I'm serious. Say. What's, what's your oh. daughter's name? Her name, her name is Kennedy. Kennedy. All right, that's yes. a cool name. Of course, her name is Kennedy. That's a very cool name. Thank you. All right, I'm going to write to uh, to Kennedy's teacher. 
be funny if it was Nixon. <laughs> All right. Excellent. It is 503-228-4101. Coming up in about uh, 10 minutes, we will talk to uh, Dr. Yvonne Fulbright. He's going to uh, speak with us about the joys and perils of autoerotic asphyxiation. Get out your notebook and write these things down. Gather the kids around the wireless, won't you please? It's the Rick Emerson Show, live from Portland on Rock 101. KUFO is the Foo Fighters. Cult in pop culture. The Jesus is about two inches tall. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show live from Portland. Thank you for joining us. It's 503 228 4101. 503-228-4101. You can also text if you like. It's 52051. Coming up here in just a few minutes, we'll be talking to Dr. Yvonne Fulbright, who is a sexpert for Fox News. I didn't want to say that when we were introducing Steve Kastenbaum a few minutes ago. It seems like it would have been awkward. But uh, so she will be uh, giving us this sort of a uh, sort of a, a, a period on the sentence uh, of the uh, David Car- uh, Carradine story. I almost said David Cassidy. I mean, the week isn't over yet. Who knows? Who knows what news the rest of the day might have for us? It's five zero three two two eight four one zero one. Tim Riley is tracking the following headlines for you on this Friday. Uh, police have arrested the suspected Salem butt grabber, and it turned out he's a sex offender. And it looks like you're going to have to pay to park on Sunday in Portland. You didn't used to have to. And TriMet may have to get rid of Fairless Square. They keep promising that, but it never happens. Too many people complain. You say, when you say they keep promising that, but it never happens, it sounds as though someone in this room, and by someone I mean Tim, is looking forward to the day when Fairless Square no longer exists. Well, I, I just think everybody should pay to ride and not be freeloading <laughs> with smelly dogs. Because that's socialism, Tim. That's... And socialism is sort of socialism is sort of a uh, is sort of a middle ground between capitalism and communism. It's not so much. It's sort of like a uh, it's like a like a faint pink menace. Not quite the red menace yet. Uh, welcome now to the uh, Rick Emerson show from SexualitySource.com, Doctor Yvonne Fulbright. Uh, uh, shall I call you Doctor Fulbright or Yvonne or Doc or Eve? Or... It doesn't really matter. I'm originally from Iceland, and we have our phone books listed by first name, and we don't use um, Miss, Mrs., Doctor too often. So you have your I'm phone books listed by first name. Are there only 15 people who live in Iceland? How does that even work? There's about 310,000 people. So. Uh, yeah, but it's all by first name, and then what you um, do for a living and, and your address, that's how you sort through uh, who you want to communicate with in the phone book. Don't take this the wrong way, uh, Dr. Fulbright. That's crazy. That makes <laughs> that makes no sense at all. Is that why you left Iceland? Because that would be no. enough to go. Oh, I, I'm still home. I still go back pretty regularly. So. Hey, what is the weirdest thing, uh, by, you know, in terms of the American palate, what is the, what is the weirdest yet commonly consumed food in Iceland? Oh, gosh. I would say what um, gets the biggest reaction is the um, shark. Then uh, it's, it's put in the ground to let rot. And then um, we take it out usually in January, February of the year for what's called the Thorobloth, which is the Feast of Thor um, that we've been celebrating since the Viking days. Um, you usually have to chase that with a shot of brennivine, which literally means burning liqueur, but it's a really gross potato schnapps that kills your taste buds. 
It sounds like a really, really great country. Remind <laughs> me to put that on my I must see this before I die. List. Actually, you need to. It's one of the most beautiful places in the world. I, and the dollar is really strong there now since our economy tanked last fall. I'm sorry to hear that. But I suppose it's a win in the American column, at least. So I think I did actually watch an episode of, uh, of No Reservations with Anthony Bourdain where he went to Iceland. And he had that, that shark thing you're talking about. And then he ended the episode by going to this amazing, uh, pristine, blue hot spring sort of a thing. Uh, it was a it was a lake somewhere where it was one of those like naturally occurring uh, lakes of like really 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 warm water and yet oh, then yeah. it was sort of surrounded by this very sort of um, this sort of cold terrain anyway so I uh, I don't mean to be maligning your homeland oh no you're talking about the Blue Lagoon which is um, some of the best mineral waters in the world and uh, if you go to Iceland you need to go for a dip but it's just so healthy and you just feel so refreshed I have to tell you this is really already one of the best interviews we've done all month so congratulations <laughs> on that front all right. Um, so before we talk about the, the David Carradine uh, thing, how does one become, quote, a, uh, a, a sexpert? Is that a title you, you, like, you, you give yourself, or is there like a correspondence course for that? It's actually one I can't escape, um, and having worked with the media for years. But um, I am an actual sex expert, sexologist, as in I got my master's in sex education from the University of Pennsylvania years ago and went on for a Ph.D. Um, at NYU where I did focus in sexual health and parent-child sex communication. Uh, so, let's, so you uh, probably been, uh, your phone's been ringing off the hook because of the uh, the David Carradine thing, and so I have uh, I have some questions about this, and uh, obviously because you know we're on the air, we have, as you know, there's certain graphic elements of this that you know that uh, are best left either undiscussed or that people can pursue on their own in an educational sense. But right. is this? I mean, is this a thing that happens like way more often than we would think? Not even necessarily the uh, uh, the death part of it, but just that people are kind of engaging in this behavior because you think it's kind of a niche thing, but then every time a story like this happens. You wonder, like, well, is it like in every seventh house on my block, there's somebody uh, inside with, like, a belt around his neck? Well, there's so little research done in this area that we really don't know what the numbers are. And, of course, when this happens with a celebrity, it makes the news and it has, you know, has people definitely wondering how common this is. Uh, but we, we really don't know a lot about, quote-unquote, kink behaviors. Um, we don't even... We don't even have an accurate count as far as fatalities go because there are so many um, of these that are covered up as suicides. Unfortunately, you know, the parents or the family who find often young men um, in their room, uh, nude, partially nude, and uh, you know, usually with other sexual paraphernalia around, they'll change the scene before the paramedics or police arrive because they don't want people realizing this is this is a sexual misadventure. They would rather um, face the stigma of a suicide and and all the confusion that comes along with that than have people scrutinize the person for being some sort of, um, you know, a sexual, quote-unquote, misfit for a better, um, or for lack of a better term. But we um, do know that about 500 to 1,000, mostly 12 to 25-year-old, mostly males, um, die from this every year, so, according to um, the Health Center at Columbia University. So that was going to be my next question, because the two that, you know, spring to mind are uh, allegedly David Carradine and, again, allegedly uh, Michael Hudgens. So... Why? Um, why is it always guys, or are there women who do this too, and you just don't you, you don't hear about it, or is it just that, is it just that the, the guys are way more obsessed with finding some new exotic uh, you know way to uh, you know to engage in that sort of behavior? Well, what's 
interesting is that we're finding that with the autoerotic behavior, it's often male, but when it comes to partnered interactions where somebody's being um, choked or, or having their, their um, nose and throat or nose and mouth covered up, then it's usually a male doing that to a female. Uh, but I think one of the reasons we're finding it's more common with males, um, at least on their own, is that we are more permission-giving as a society when it comes to male self-pleasuring than it is female, so males do tend to begin that at an earlier age. Um, and, and, and also, I think, tend to be more experimental in pushing the envelope because they feel more comfortable exploring their sexuality. Uh, I, I've heard, though, in recent years that choking breath games have become more popular amongst young people. So uh, there's a little bit of, I don't want to say peer pressure, but with that, the buzz around such behavior, people are curious. Um, but that's the thing that makes this a bit confusing is that this sort of behavior is actually listed in the dsm 4 as a type of paraphilia, uh, yet at the same time, the little bit of research is reporting that these people um, are unidentifiable. There's no, there are no predispositions that tell us this type of person is going to engage in this kind of so behavior. Wait, and, the, and the DSM-4, that's a, it's a handbook of mental disorders, or, yes, right? Yes, and, right. And so, but you're saying it doesn't fit in the, in other words, it's not like it's associated with any sort of known uh, existing uh, mental um, disposition or, or illness. Exactly, and, and they're finding that these people are often otherwise in healthy, quote-unquote, normal relationships. And, uh, I mean, one thing that they will find is that about one quarter of the men who are found dead um, are often wearing female panties, so they've, uh, some of them do have that kind of fetish. The other thing that's being reported is that um, S&M or sadomasochistic themes are common in their sexual fantasies. Um, and this is uh, an area that is more talked about within the uh, bondage discipline S&M community, uh, where they try to be a little bit more proactive with education, um, but at the same time, most materials in this area are not suitable for curiosity seeker, which makes it seekers, right. which makes it really difficult um, to talk about. And um, it's it's such a scary um, type of exploration because it can result not only in death but brain damage and cardiac arrest if you survive. Um, so this is nothing to uh, this is something we need to take seriously as far as how we dis how we talk about it and. Um, really try to discourage people from exploring in this way. Uh, we're talking to Dr. Yvonne Fulbright. And so it might, I have a question. You mentioned the peer pressure thing earlier, which is it's hard to imagine that that's a, you know, that's a thing that, you know, that people sort of lean on each other about. No, no, you're not, you're not really going to be cool until you wrap a bungee cord around a sensitive part of your body. So right. it, the, I guess with the, with the internet, people can learn about it that way. But it, it seems like a thing that, like, how would you even discover this activity. I mean, it, you know what I mean? It, like, it is, it's not, it's not something like where, uh, you know, where like you, you trip or maybe you're scrubbing yourself in the shower and you discover some, some inadvertent pastime that might give you a lot of fun. I, I don't even know how we, you would get from waking up in the morning to, Hey, I think I'm going to loop something around my neck and then dangle off the edge of a door. Right. Well, I think part of it is just, uh, you know, when you do hear th about things like choking games, then uh, some people pursue that stuff simply for the thrill of doing something that's dangerous. They want to know what all the talk's about. Uh, and another thing is that people sometimes naturally hold their breath when they are um, becoming more aroused and reaching climax. So is there speculation that this sort of uh, play is an extension of that? And then there's the thing about the fact that one of the techniques people use um, is actually gas and other chemicals. 
chemicals. So for some people, they uh, like that um, loss of consciousness or that lightheadedness. And uh, if they are already experimenting with certain um, illegal drugs or even alcohol, they might kind of wonder uh, if they can get the same kind of high from this sort of behavior. Excellent. All right. See, and here's the thing. And I asked that question. And I, it, it's not that I didn't uh, think... Not that I doubted that you know what you were talking about, but I wondered to some degree if there's even any way to answer some of these questions, and lo and behold, there was. So, Dr. Yvonne Fulbright, uh, your website is sexualitysource.com, and uh, we will have you back again at some point. This is really fantastic. Thank you for spending some time with us. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you so much. There you go. Dr. Yvonne Fulbright, uh, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, Greg, if you want to uh, check with her. All right. Excellent. Well, that was awesome. I liked it. She sounds kind of like Lisa Desjardins. You know what? Uh, But sort of, but like with a, uh, you know, but like with uh, stilettos or something. And Mm -hmm. see, and I went through that whole interview without asking what she looked like because I felt like it would have been, uh, it would have been awkward. I'm sure it would be easy to find out. Hey, it's Sarah X. Dillon joining us in the studio. How are you today? Oh, you know. I almost forgot what you looked like. I pay almost $1,000 a month to live in an apartment where the fuses go out, like, um, probably like once every couple months. Hey, are you only hearing Sarah in your, uh, in your right channel? I only wear the left channel. So can you not hear me at You're all? blowing my mind. I don't know what you're talking about. No, Talk. so I woke up after a pleasant sleep uh, to pitch silence as I um, usually sleep with a fan and a noisemaker, and it's silent and light outside. I'm awesome. Like, hmm, what is going on? I wonder what's happening. I wonder what Tim mind. and Rick are doing right now. Seriously, that is, I have now experienced one of the single worst experiences of my life, and I'm like, uh, it's Friday, not Saturday. Yes, the, uh, the in, term, in terms of I the... I am so angry, I'm... Okay, I'm just going to keep my mouth. You, it, it's too bad we didn't have a webcam in here to see us uh, going through the various buttons on the board trying to figure out what turned what on. What's this one do? What's this one do? I don't know. Press that, and then it would just be like a go-go sound as we were trying to find something that played Steve Kastenbaum's theme. I barely know what all the buttons do. And then when we tried to find something to play the go-go sound, that one, would just, that one would just do nothing. That was just that was the silence button. Very few of them did anything. <sighs> all right, then. Tim I'm very Riley? glad I got to hear that lady, though. She was awesome. She was really good. Uh, when we come back, uh, Tim, what stories will we be uh, pursuing for the good people? Well, we're going to be talking about the digital TV switchover today. It's going to make history. And we'll find out who's doing what at what time. All right. And, and let's uh, elaborate on this uh, parking meter business when we return as well. I'm curious to know uh, some of the specifics of that. All right. Because it's been, because I need to update all of my anti-porking, uh, uh, porking, all my anti-parking. <laughs> I think that these, interview's over. These parking regulations have just gone too far, <laughs> and I, for one, won't have it. Awesome. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. It is Friday. We are live from Portland right here on Rock 101 KUFO. One-stop shopping for all your cult-like devotion. It's like if let loose, they would kill you or leave you behind to die in a blizzard. RickEmerson.com. Do it now. It is the Rick Emerson Show, live from Rock 101 KUFO in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's 503-228-4101. Coming up at uh, 720 today, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins about the government's latest encroachment into your life and your lungs. Aaron Duran will be here at 8 o'clock to talk about Pelham 123. And we got another copy of The Shield Season 7 on DVD to give away before the end of uh, today's show. At the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is 641. Expect showers all weekend. Highs in the low 70s. That woman charged with throwing her kids in the bridge into the Willamette assaulted the guy who later became her husband nine years ago. Amanda Stott-Smith bit Jason Smith on the torso. 
gave him a bloody nose, kicked him in the shin. The charges were dismissed. Love won out, and they were married. Now to the Craigslist murderer. A woman has come forward to report that she had been contacted by Karina Roberts when she placed an ad on Craigslist. Sarah Gallagher posted her breast pump for sale. Uh. She heard from Roberts, who was interested in a breast pump. There was an exchange of emails. They never met, and it's unclear who the lucky buyer of the breast pump was. Ew. All right. No more free parking on Sunday. That's a new rule. It goes into effect July 13th. Thank you for transitioning off the breast pump story, by the way, because in my head I was having this sort of back and forth push and pull discussion with myself about uh, whether we should talk about it for a while, whether I should uh, engage in some of my usual uh, witty and glib banter about uh, such things. I know that some, you know, that there's money and whatever, but I mean, who buys a used breast pump? I don't really. That's a body fluid. That's a little gross. It might be sold at a roadside stand with the giveaway of free kittens. I mean, there's just I mean, there's not enough. uh, There's not enough rubbing alcohol in the world for that. And it seems like people say, well, those things are expensive. If you if you can't afford uh, to go to the store and buy a new boob pump, you can't afford to have a kid. So or have boobs. I mean, that's right, Tim. They don't take care of themselves. I'm sorry. Let's uh, let's move on to the parking issue so we can uh, all feel better about our city. So there, there's uh, going to be no more free parking downtown effective July 13th. Now parking rates in downtown Portland and on Markham Hill will go up to a dollar sixty an hour. That's an increase of 35 percent. And then they're going to raise the uh, rates to park in the Lloyd District. All right. It'll go up to a dollar, an increase of 25 cents. Wait, let me, okay, so let's back up. So if you park downtown, because I actually had to do this just, uh, what is today, on Friday? I had to do this on uh, Wednesday. Right. I had to find parking, and it was at 9.30 in the morning, too. I and mean, it was just, it was just a living, breathing hell. And it was, I think it's $1.25 an hour or something to park downtown now. Mm-hmm. So is that, is that going up to a dollar yes, sixty an hour? When, and is that happening July 13th? Yes. And then at the same time, on the same day, they are getting rid of Sunday parking, uh, free Sunday parking. That's correct. But if you get out early, you can beat this because it only starts at one o'clock. It goes from one to seven. All right. Well, I mean, well, that is that's incremental. You know that you know that that's just going to be like the first six months. That's boiling the frog slowly is what that is. It's creeping socialism. That's right, Tim. Place of arrest of the suspected Salem bike butt grabber, Thomas Claudus, has been arrested for grabbing two ladies' backsides. And then they really went after him when he tried to touch a child. They responded to a tip and found his bike outside a residence. Claudus is 24 and was under the supervision of the Oregon Youth Authority for rape and is also a registered sex offender. Clearly, they were supervising him really closely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Everett police tased a belligerent driver. We hear these happen like once a day now. He refused to get out of the car, and then they had to shoot him. A witness who was close enough to be splattered by his blood. Wait, wait, wait. Whoa, oh. whoa. Stop, stop. Wait. <laughs> I'm wait, hold on. Let's all just stop and just take a moment. Well, this is destination listening, and it's not something that you hear in the background. Wait, no, no, and if, even if you and if you do, it's sort of in a what the hell was that? That's when you go back and download the podcast. Jesus, God. All right, hold. Let's just all take it. Take a moment here. <laughs> what was misunderstood? Was I thought I, I thought I explained the parking situation <laughs> in detail as I was asked to. Now there are more questions. <laughs> It was a sort of bright, sunny, optimistic way that you delivered the line about the so-called blood splattering. Um, all right, I, I am just trying to relay factual information. Oh, and I appreciate that. Let's let's work backward. Is this guy dead? Uh, 
Not yet. Okay, I mean... But dying? Dying, perhaps? Yes. On his road oh, wait, to... Wait, oh. oh, I'm sorry, it's changed. He is dead now. <laughs> like, literally, just in the last three seconds? Yes. <laughs> Somebody kicked out the cord. All right. Let's... Where did this happen? This happened at the Chuck Wagon Inn in Everett. Everett, Washington? Yes. At the Chuck Wagon. At the we, Chuck Wagon. We have, a, we have a Chuck Wagon in... Uh, we have a Chuck Wagon in Kennewick, the home of radioactive wasps. Um, is this part of the same chain? I don't know, but I, I will say this: that there's the, check wagon used to be a dog food. I think it still is. Isn't there still? Uh, I mean, they don't do the commercial anymore. But I think is there still chuck wagon dog food? I don't know. I haven't looked for it. How could there not be chuck wagon dog food at this point? Because they look how quickly we've moved off the guy who was actually shot today. They got rid of all, the, most of the canned dog food. I suppose, although that was such a successful ad campaign, you know, with the dog chasing the wagon yeah. into the kitchen or whatever. A lot of people don't know what you're talking about. That's fine. Yeah. Um, you know what? Here's, can I just tell you, I was watching um, uh, Family Guy the other day, and they made they made the oldest, most obscure reference. It was, I mean, it was like, uh, somebody told me one time that I was playing way outside the room by making a Fatty Arbuckle joke. And by the way, that's going to continue, because there's nothing funnier than Fatty Arbuckle. Um, but it, it wasn't even that. It was. It was like... It was like a Luella Parsons joke or something, and I just and at that point I was like, "Eff it, uh, you know." As goes Seth MacFarlane, uh, so goes the Rick Emerson show. Anyway, so working back from the Chuck Wagon thing, wait, mm-hmm. why were we just talking about Chuck Wagons? Oh, Chuck Wagon restaurant. This happened at the Chuck Wagon Inn. In you know, in Kennewick, there's two there's two sort of uh, buffet style restaurants like that. There's the Chuck Wagon, which is considered the more upscale, and then there's a place just called the Smorgy, which Smorgy? I believe the Smorgy, which has really got to be a class. Is that like, a person or a thing? <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Smorgy. Uh, how are the little Smorgies today? The uh, the Smorgy, which I believe is short for smorgasbord. Well, that's just silly. Yes, it is. Uh, this, the Smorgy is... Uh, that's I just laziness. You can't use the whole word. <laughs> this Well, there's no time for speaking, Tim. You have to get right to the starch bar. I suppose so. No, no, no. I want both ham and turkey, you bastards. Um, and roast beef. Don't stint on that either. It, but the Smorgie is considered the more downscale of the two restaurants. Uh, that is a uh, that's where the commoners go. Then you uh, then you work your way up in the social pecking order of Kennewick to go to the Chuck Wagon. Anywho, all right. So let's start with this story again in Everett. We'll just start to take this sentence by sentence here. Everett police tased a belligerent driver who refused to get out of his car, and then they shot him. All right then. He is now dead. A witness who was close enough to be splattered with his blood claims six shots were fired. Several people called 911 when the patron of the check wagon inn insisted on driving home drunk. They all went out in the parking lot to try to stop him by that time the cops arrived. At that point, he stepped on the gas and drove his Corvette into a fence. (laughs) He showed them. This is the best story I have ever heard in my life. So, tasing didn't help. He still refused to get out of the car. He became belligerent. And then they shot him. How did they get from the uh, get out of your car to shooting him six times? Well, they probably thought he'd throw the thing into reverse. There were some oh, people no, standing around. Oh, that, no, that's a fair point. I hadn't really and thought about that. it was a Corvette. No, that's true. And if the if the car, I guess I was sort of assuming the car was incapacitated or, or whatever, you know, made immobile by the wreck. But I guess that that probably wasn't the case. Right. Because that's quality American workmanship is what that is on that Corvette. Right. So he leaves the uh, he, he leaves the chuck wagon drunk. Gets into the car, despite everybody's attempts to stop him. The cops show up. They tase him. He, I'm sorry. He drives the car into a fence. Yes. They tase him. 
He resists arrest, won't get out of the car, probably is about to throw the car into reverse and maybe go into a crowd, and so they shoot him six times. That makes sense. So says a man. Well, that's just, there's, there's no other and outcome someone's to that. showered in his blood. And then someone who's close enough to be splattered in his blood relays the whole story for our uh, pleasure. Mm-hmm. Excellent. All right. This is turning out to be a pretty good day after all. I think so. Wonderful. Uh, Barney Frank storms out of a CNBC interview. I think that in the first place, solutions don't have to be perfect to be better than the status quo. And so what you have collectively suggested, let's do nothing at all. Let's acknowledge that there... No, I'm not I'm sorry, please that. stop interrupting me. Uh, uh, well, right, excuse me. You want to lose me? I am not going to let you excuse misrepresent me. what I said. I am not... I am trying to respond to your misrepresentation. I am trying no, to... I am not misrepresenting. Right, I apologize, but this interview is over. I get three different questions, different angles. I try to respond. You want to interrupt because you don't like what I'm saying, then you can find someone else right, to interview. Goodbye. Goodbye, sir. Who's who's interviewing him there? Do we some know? guy on CNBC. Some bald-headed guy. <laughs> some douche. Nobody uh, knows who anyone... Uh, aside from... Uh, our friend, the uh, lady with the advice. Susie Orman? Yes. Yeah, but see, here's the thing. I don't even really know that she, I mean... She I, has a new set now, and her lighting makes her look like she's made of gold. <laughs> it's, the, uh, it's, it's the everything must look like Susie's earrings uh, set. The Don't you suspect that Susie Orman is just the biggest control freak on earth? Don't you suspect... I mean, I, I love her show. I really do. But can you imagine how difficult it must be to work for her? She just puts yeah, off that the, vibe. The she only works right? with that one guy. Who reads the questions at the end? I think that's probably the only guy she works with at all in uh, in any way. That would be my suspicion. That is based, by the way, solely on the fact that right around the time the Super Bowl was happening, I tuned in and she had a whole cheerleading squad. I'm not making this up. She had an entire cheerleading squad on the set, and they were taking her into and out of commercial breaks by doing little synchronized cheer routines, wearing almost nothing, by the way, and shaking pom-poms. And that's not code for anything, and yet at the same time, it is. And I forget who it was. They were like the cheerleaders from some NFL team. And Susie Orman said, when we come back, I'll tell you about things you can't buy. And then, and now the, the blah, blah, blah cheerleaders. And then there was like 16 cheerleaders who would just start shaking their bosoms and they'd take her into a commercial. Just it was, because? It was awesome. It's because she's Susie Orman and she can do whatever she likes. Um, but I, yeah, I suspect that her, uh, that she is a, uh, a bit of a taskmaster uh, at that show. Um, so backing up though for a second. Yes, you're right about that new set. I think that probably she realized that she is the only thing that gets people to watch that channel. And then this huge screen comes out of the ground that says Susie on it. <laughs> and then she's and then she's carried in like like on one of those uh, on one of those uh, things like in India where they carried Gandhi's body through the crowd, you know. Um, and just everybody's throwing uh, rose petals on the ground in front of her, and then she gently descends into a chair that's made out of the finest silk. Still wearing the earrings that she paid like seven dollars for to Woolworths in 1971. So, CNBC though, I couldn't tell you a single other show no. that is on that network. I mean, to it's me, it's just a dumping ground for everybody else's crap. That's <laughs> that's the thing. What's well, like the early? It's like the early days of Comedy Central, where there was just uh, there was just Mystery Science Theater 3000, and then everything else. I mean, there was just I don't even know what they did the rest of the day on that network. And then it was that way with sort of uh, South Park, where it was South Park and then, you know, some other stuff that was on the other 167 hours of the week or whatever it is. Um, and because of TiVo, I wouldn't even, like, if you would ask me five minutes ago what network Susie Orman was on, I don't think I could have told you. I could have, I don't know, she's on that Susie channel on TiVo because I never acted, because right, I, 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 I never I had to seek it out. It on the DVR. Yeah. All right. It so, does it automatically. So Barney Frank tells some douche on CNBC that he's leaving. Yes.
Another woman to television, Katie Couric, is asked to comment on her dating life by Billy Bush. Dating, yes or no? Oh, Billy. Come on, it. let's know. You're beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Yes? All right. <laughs> yes, I'm still here, Katie. See you later, Billy. I'm still here. Oh, darn. Sorry. Are we out of time? Wait, are, what's right, that noise? Go. Your laugh is awful. Katie says they always pick on her because she's a woman. You know, it's fine. It's so funny. You know, I think women are scrutinized so much more than men on, on television. Uh-huh. Any comments, Tim? Aside from the fact that she has the lowest ratings in the history of Nielsen for her CBS Evening Newscast, there's nothing else to say. I, she probably lives a very full social life. Maybe she needs to meet with Jack Silver. Or Larry King. <laughs> Wait, where's the, uh, hold on a second, I have the... You write about going out with Katie Kirk a couple of years ago in Washington, and you say, and I quote, page 127, she invited me back to her apartment. I remember thinking, this could be good. This could be good. This could be good. We had How'd that work out? Wonderful time. Worked out terribly. <laughs> there was no sex at all. And I think the roommate was Wendy Walker, who oh, is really? now my executive producer. Uh, when we got to the door, and I like Katie, we, we've been friends over the years, and she was really pretty, still is. And we get to the door, and she just turned around and said, kiss me on the cheek, I think. And I said, well, well, can I come in? Well, I have a roommate. <laughs> Wendy could have. She wasn't there that night. <laughs> Bada bing! She's washing her hosiery in the sink. And can't you just, I, I don't even remember what Larry King's facial expressions were during that little soundbite where he's talking to Anderson Cooper. But it, like in your mind's eye, isn't he just sort of waggling his eyebrows like Groucho Marx with a cigar? Sort of a, a va-va-voom, little missy. I, I can't believe you would turn this down. Look at me. I'm the king. And then sort of snapping his suspenders for effect while standing on the porch. That is, And I could just see the, the Katie just doing that thing of slowly closing the door. It's been a great evening. Thanks. No, I got to get inside. Get a bite. You know. And then Larry angrily snapping over, open his cell phone. Jerome, come pick me up. No, she's not putting out tonight. No. No, I get. No, I'll wait on the corner. And then we're going to get him malted. Right. Let's do uh, one more here, and then we will get to caught up. Well, uh, it looks like, uh, well, it's beginning to look like... Oh, God, this isn't another blood-spattering story, is it? No, I'm just talking about a public comment made by David Carradine's family last night. We would like to thank everyone for their heartfelt expressions of love and sympathy for what we are going through. This is a devastating loss for our family, and we greatly appreciate the compassion pouring in from all over the world. Now, dance, dance, dance! <laughs> That is fantastic. Dance fever. This, the, the Carradine family interviewed at Studio 54 <laughs> had this to say. Wow. Can you play that one more time? Well, all right. Let's see. Here it is. For those who missed it, the public comment by the family of Mr. Carradine. We would like to thank everyone for their heartfelt expressions of love and sympathy for what we are going through. This is a devastating loss for our family, and we greatly appreciate the compassion pouring in from all over the world. Don't forget to silence your cell phones <laughs> as the motion picture is about to begin. Oh, it's fantastic. Excellent. Well done, Tim Riley. Ain't that American. All right. Actually, uh, ain't that Thailand. No, he wasn't in Thailand. Where was he? Bangkok. Bangkok. Bangkok is in Thailand. That is, is in not? Thailand, yes. All right. 503-228-4101. Ladies and gentlemen, margaritas are three for a dollar right now. <laughs> I can't believe you don't want to have sex with me. I'm Larry King. Awesome. Uh, straight ahead, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins talks about increased regulations governing smoking. We'll also have a copy of The Shield Season 7 on DVD. You bastard, quit laughing. I can't get through my tease. Uh, uh, 
right, this is Ozzy Osbourne. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Live from Portland on Rock 101. KUFO. KUFO. Portland. It is the Rick Emerson Radio program. It's like the Carradine family had Fred Schneider put together the statement asking for the media's sympathy at this time. Life goes on! That's the way he would have wanted it. <laughs> he died as he lived, Tim. It is the uh, Rick Emerson Show. It's 503-228-4101. You can also uh, text anytime, day or night. Uh, it is uh, 52051. That's right, 520 Five one straight ahead. Uh, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins uh, will join us from Washington D.C. And uh, you want to be listening about uh, this era because I don't. Now I've got three different stories, and each of them contains a little piece of this. And I haven't really been able to find any sort of definitive word. But so from what I'm hearing, so there, there's going to be some vote, and this is what we're going to talk to Lisa about. There's going to be some vote about uh, about, about tobacco sales, and there's some uh, what they're calling a sweeping anti-tobacco bill. And here's why everybody cares about this: a, because we got the tobacco or the you know the smoking ban in a lot of places in Portland anyway, and also because I think, and I got in just under the wire with this, I think it's going to outlaw sales of those electronic cigarettes. No way. Yes. I think, oh, that's I my special friend. I love that. I don't know for sure that that's the case, but somebody sent me sort of a partial blurb from a uh, a Portland news station uh, yesterday. You'll have to go to some smoke easy to get one. That's right, Tim. Uh, and, and that sort of seemed to be the indication. I don't know that that's the case. but that, So when is this bill or whatever going to pass? I don't know. I don't know anything about it. So that's okay. what we're going to do. All I know is what I just told you. So we're going to talk to Lisa about that here in just a, a we few. We need to start an electronic uh, cigarette renaissance. Okay. I'll, I'll let, since they're like $110 a pop, I'll let you get on that. You just uh, you take stage two of that. Uh, Aaron Duran will be here at 8 o'clock to talk about Pelham 123 as well. At the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is 7.08. It's going to be radio weekend. Well, PGE Park is helping fans to eat cheaper and easier. You're going to get your money's worth when you go to the games now. You're going to be able to enjoy plenty of free food during games. Officials at PGE Park say the arrangement works out well because the food being offered is typically inexpensive, like nachos, hot dogs, and soda. Come on, chow down and stuff yourself. They believe the deal is also helping to bring fans in who might have skipped a ball game before. But ball game and free food? How could the fans turn it down? Are you re- is there anybody out there who's really having to choose between a ball game and a soda? I mean, either ball games are real cheap or soda's real expensive. But apparently you can eat all you want of nachos, hot dogs. <laughs> I love this country. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a recession on. Let's uh, let's just give people pounds and pounds of nachos. To take. Which actually, now that I say it out loud, is not so bad. I was all ready to have my sort of righteous, uh, smug indignation about it. Having actually externalized that phrase. Let's see. Recession. Pounds of nachos. No, it works. No, I, for one, will accept that. I uh, welcome our new cheesy overlords. Incidentally, speaking of pounds and pounds of food, so I got this great... I never did ask him why. Uh, Greg sent me this text message over the weekend. It was like Friday or Saturday or something. Nibbler sends me this text message. He's like, hey, where's that place in Vegas where you can eat at a buffet for 24 hours for one low one low price? <laughs> yeah, Circus Circus, I think. Uh, no, well, maybe, maybe also there, but the, the one I was thinking of was Excalibur. Uh, it's uh, and oh, I've been to that buffet. 
But but see, were you there when it was like one low price and you get to eat for a whole day? No, no. Uh, I just see, went, I said to pay one price for one like, sweep around. No, that is it. No, it's it's a, see that's typically the way it's been. And Lara and I have a uh, Lara and I have a buffet. God, we sound like old people already. Lara and I have a buffet that we really uh, have a hankering for, which is at the um, it's at the, I think it's a Sunset Station or Main Street Station, one of the two. It's one. Of, it's a, all the way at the end of Fremont Street by where they do that Rat Pack thing. I say, sounding even older. Um, but Excalibur, which is on the strip, and which is kind of a great sort of—I've stayed there before because it's cheap and right across from the MGM. Because it's cheap, and it's—I mean—it's kind of trashy in the way that everything uh, you know in Vegas sort of is. But that's actually where I met Ron Jeremy for the first time. He was just walking, walking along, just surrounded by blonde chicks, like for no reason. Like he wasn't even on his way anywhere. He was just there with girls because he's Ron Jeremy. They have a great spa there that nobody uses, and it's cheap. Is that true? Yeah, and you get free admission. With your room. Because I've only stayed there once, and it was it was some years ago, and I forget why. I think I might have just picked it because it was relatively inexpensive, and we wanted to stay on the strip because we were going to, my friends and I were going to see some sort of event somewhere or whether. But um, anyway, but they, but they just launched this whole thing where for you pay like 25 bucks, and then they give you like a little, uh, like a ticket or a thing you hold, and it's good for 24-hour access uh, to the buffet, which is, uh, which is fantastic. That is what this country is all about. Here's Tim Riley. If you need a job, there are 20, not 20, but 200. That's 200 positions open at Newburgh's New Boutique Hotel. This is going to be called the Allison, and it's opening soon. It's run by a guy who used to run the Heathman. And uh, they're looking for everything from massage therapists to maintenance experts to Seuss chefs. So 200 openings. So head down there uh, to the Joan Austin Elementary School on Center Street in Newburgh from 9 to 4 on the 18th. Uh, more children are being insured in Oregon now. That's good because they're our most precious resource. Source. The uh, legislature passed a health care reform bill that would insure 80,000 poor kids. That happened yesterday. Uh, former British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher is in good spirits. Well, you know, that's not a lie. Even on a good day, she's not in good spirits. I thought she was, she's sort of the Susie Orman of the, uh, of the British parliamentary system. I no, thought she, she was... broke her arm during a fall in her London home. Not dead, though. No, she's not going to be dead. She's uh, 83 years old and in good spirits. She's still an iron lady. You know, she looked like she was 83 years old, like in 1983. I, it, it seems improbable that she's still, that she's that young. Mm-hmm. I mean, she has, was she ever, do you suppose Margaret Thatcher was ever attractive? No. <laughs> <laughs> There's no hesitation on the part of the news department. No, the answer to that is a definitive statement to the uh, negative. The uh, By the way, speaking of never attractive, I shouldn't say that. I was going to say that leading into this chastity uh, Bono story, and that just that just seems that seems mean. I'm so sorry. That was like she has kind of a pretty face. There, well, there's some some someone for everyone. Somebody I, must love her, whether she's a whatever gender she chooses to be. Do you suppose that someone is Cher? I mean, probably not. <laughs> that was really. I mean, I was wondering if I wondered if that's who you were alluding to, and I thought that that's probably not the case. I mean. I'm looking at, at her picture here. This is Chastity Bono. And it, but it's it's sort of here's the thing. This is her official sort of press photo, or this is the photo she chooses to, to give out to the media whenever they're gonna talk about her. So you know, this is like the best they could possibly make her look. I mean, this is like a full day in the makeup chair and just and the best lighting that they could that they could conjure up. And the thing about Chastity Bono is is there's just there's something about well, first of all. Her head is simultaneously square and round, and I don't know how she manages to pull that off. It is. It's like a soft square. That's ex- the, right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like you had a um, it's like you had a big cube, and then you somehow inflated it so that it rounded off at the edges. Um, and then the top half of her face, like from the nose up, 
looks way bigger than everything from the nose down. It's like you've just reduced everything below the nose by about 20%. Well, that, and you can't figure out who does she look more like, Sonny or Cher, or neither. <laughs> no, also that. Well, the answer is Matt Peterson. That's, that's I mean, that's it. Uh, well, he would have been too young at that point to be involved. Buffed to a gloss. All right, uh, here's Tim Riley. Well, massive layoffs are coming to MySpace. They're going to get rid of 25% of their labor force. Which will affect between 300 and 500 employees. What do people do all day at MySpace? I was just going to ask. What, there are like zillions Squid of people sister, working there. Uh, works for MySpace. What do they do at MySpace? What? I, I don't know what she does. See? Nobody knows. So, no, no. The, he, she says that she sees Tom pull in in like a Rolls Royce every day. And he comes in, like does, does a couple things, and then leaves. The actual Tom guy? The actual Tom. Does he, so he actually, but he but he goes to work there. I mean, he actually still is employed. He does something or other. Yeah, well, he, I know he sold his likeness to, to whoever owns MySpace now. So I don't think I don't think he's in charge of it anymore. But his image is still there. He just sort of walks around and looks over his shoulder at people mm. and they're like, "Hey, I'm Tom." All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. There's some uh, fresh bickering coming out of the mouth of Sarah Palin today, and it is directed in David Letterman's direction. It took a couple of days for him to think of that excuse that. Uh, uh, no, he wasn't talking about my daughter who was there with me at the game, the 14-year-old. He was talking about some other daughter. Uh, she points out that uh, the first target was her slutty flight attendant look. My first thought was, hey, don't disparage flight attendants. They work hard. We love them. You know, how, how condemning of them. Don't, don't, uh, don't say such a thing. Please go away. I was just wow, going to say, why? And as she speaks, though, you can just sort of hear her getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. The, the, the problem is she is in the battle of Newt Gingrich over who's going to run the Republican Party. And nobody cares about either one of them no. in, the, in the party itself. They're just hoping that somebody, somebody with a slight bit of sense might surface from somewhere, some dark hole, and it's just not happening. Well, that's why they're doing that thing of, like, shoving all of the uh, the daughters out there. I mean, because what's her name? Megan McCain is out uh, trying to get control of the, uh, you know, the Republican Party. And who was it? Whose other daughter? It, it, whose daughter was on the... It was on. It was on the Larry King or something just the other day. It wasn't Meghan McCain. It was, um, and it wasn't. And it wasn't one of the Palin kids. It was, but it was somebody like like Newt Gingrich's daughter or something. But it's and, like who on the national level outside of you know the media pays any attention to Newt Gingrich? No, the answer. Oh, it was you know it was Dick Cheney's other daughter. It was the uh, it was the one it was the the non lesbian daughter. So she was on Larry King because they're they're thinking that like you know as they always do that hot uh, blonde women are the future of the Republican Party and I wholeheartedly agree with that assessment by the way I'm all for it. All right, straight ahead, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins, and we'll talk about this uh, new anti-tobacco legislation which may take away Sarah's right to smoke electronically. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Here's Green Day. Don't miss a moment of the Rick Emerson Show. Or you'll be filled with desperate, miserable shame. Listen online. Live or via podcast at KUFO.com. It is the Rick Emerson Show, live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, on Rock 101 KUFO. It's 503-228-4101, and you can uh, text us anytime, day or night, 52051. Uh, coming up at uh, 740 today, we'll uh, have more news from Tim Riley, including this this Chastity Bono thing, uh, which we've been uh, teasing for a while. But we'll have, And all I know, Chris Paddock came in during the break and was asking me the, the questions about it, and uh, all I know is the headline. Which is, to paraphrase Ed Wood, Chastity Bono is becoming a gentleman. And she's sort of, I mean, let's... Good for her. You look at a photo of her. I mean, look, all the she's rouge in the world. There, yeah, she's, <laughs> there's no amount of lip gloss that can hide that fact. She's well down that road uh, anyway. So, 
Um, she kind of looks like if you were to force feed Lance Bass for a good six months. I could put him on just some sort of a nothing but ready whip uh, diet. So uh, Tim Riley will have that at 740. Coming up at 8 o'clock, Aaron Duran from geekinthecity.com will be here to review Pelham 123, starring the similarly fleshy John Travolta. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill, CNN Radio correspondent for the stars, Lisa Desjardins. Good morning to you. Guys. How's life? How are things? Good. I'm still stretching and waking up. So, well, you are, uh, you're on the clock a little early today. You know what? Fridays I come in early. Fridays, are in, which is nice because then I can leave early. But, yeah, I usually come in a little bit early on Fridays. So all I, I know Congress about... Congress leaves early on Fridays. Well, that was actually going to be... Uh, hey, did you see that thing about that thing of Barney Frank uh, storming off the set of, of CNBC? No, I haven't seen this. Really? We're trying to figure out who he was, uh, who he was speaking with, but... We we're never able to figure it out because we only have the audio, and uh, nobody here knows anything that's on CNBC except for Susie Orman. Although now somebody is saying that she's actually on MSNBC, and th- I realize now that in the era of TiVo, I just don't know what's on anywhere at all, ever at any time. It just shows up on the magic blinking box in my living room. So just a quick on a quick uh, YouTube uh, site here. The, it looks like we just he was at the Capitol, I guess, and he just walked off. I bet he was he was all, yeah he was be, being interviewed by somebody. And he felt that he wasn't being allowed uh, to give the answer, and he was being he, he. All I know is what we heard in the clip. He says that he was sort of being interrupted, or that he was trying to respond, and he was getting cut off. And so, at a certain point, he just said, "Whether well, you're going to have to find somebody else to do this interview, I'm just not going to stay for this." And he just, <laughs> and you know, and just, and in a flurry of flapping lips in you know spittle, he just sort of stormed off the stage. So uh, anyway, I have to, so I have to track down the video of that later and I sort of looking at the video. I think it's someone Mark Haynes. I have no idea. An interviewer, someone from CNBC named Mark Haynes. Tim, does that sound like a person who exists? I don't know. I don't watch that channel. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Just totally in the dark. Bad. Well, there we go. Mark Haynes. Here's your moment. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Um, Tim, do you have the do you have the audio of it, the, uh, the Barney Frank thing? I do. Hang on here. I'll All right. So this is, uh, you'll hear him just uh, getting apoplectic and then uh, storming off toward the end of this. All right, I so. think that in the first place, solutions don't have to be perfect to be better than the status quo. And so what you have collectively suggested, let's do nothing at all. Let's acknowledge that there... No, I'm, not I'm sorry, please that. stop interrupting me. Uh, uh, well, all right, excuse me. You want to lose me? I am not going to let you excuse misrepresent me. what I said. I am not... I am trying to respond to your misrepresentation. I am trying well, to... I am not misrepresenting. Right, I apologize, but this interview is over. I get three different questions, different angles. I try to respond. You want to interrupt because you don't like what I'm saying, then you can find someone else right, to interview. Goodbye. Goodbye, sir. And then, uh, and, then, and then I'm just picturing him. I didn't see the video, but I'm picturing him standing up and just ripping off that lavalier mic and sort of angrily storming out the, sti- you know, the side door and snapping at his driver to whisk him away. <laughs> Please, take me away. You know, the funny thing is Barney Frank is, is one of the smartest guys up here. There's no doubt about it, you know. Yeah, and in fact, looking at the video, it cuts off. He does. He just starts taking out his earpiece, and he's just getting to rip and roll. I, has he but become... Uh, but, he, but he also gets very angry. I was just actually going to ask if he has become more of a combative person over the last couple of years because it seems like it seems like this is a kind of recent phenomenon where every time I see him on the news, he's just uh, sort of shrieking at somebody. Yeah, he, he is more combative. It's funny. He is both sides. He is someone that you love dealing with him as a member of the press because he, he will kind of tell it like it is in a way that a lot of other Democrats might not in leadership. They might not really tell you what's going on, and he'll sort of spit it out there. But 
he likewise he pushes back. At, he dumb, if you ask a, a dumb question with Barney Frank, he will just call you out in front of the entire press corps and say, that was a really dumb question. I'm not going to answer that. Excellent. Yeah, So, uh, it, which, is, which is really entertaining and great. And, in fact, you can kind of get on his good side. He almost, like, encourages you to make fun of each other in your question. You know, it, it's sort of a weird dynamic that happens with him. And then he uh, strains out 15 tons of krill in the baleen inside his gum line. <laughs> right. Uh, exactly. Uh, hey, so I have a bunch of partial sort of uh, headlines here that I've tried to piece together into his story. One of them was local. One of them uh, is from CNN, and it says, there's a vote scheduled this morning that could change the face of smoking in America. So uh, yeah. so tell, what is what is going on with this with this anti-tobacco bill? Yeah, that's not hyperbole. This this one is really is a pretty big bill. It looks like in the next hour we'll see the final vote on the House floor. This bill would give the Food and Drug Administration the power to regulate tobacco, which means the FDA will decide what can go in a cigarette, how much nicotine can go in a cigarette specifically. But they, they can really rule on almost anything that goes into a cigarette that they think is a health problem. And then they also... Uh, now, in this bill, change the warning labels on cigarettes so that the warning label would be, you know, ginormous. It'd be about half of the size of the package. Uh, could, cigarette makers would have to choose from nine different, you know, fabulous warning statements. You know, but people who have been anti-tobacco for a long time say, finally, in, in their view, they think this is a huge step in the right direction. Tobacco states, of course, very unhappy for the most part about this. So I, I it got, looks like it's going to go through. So I got a bunch of things. A, I think in Britain now they already have those labels where it literally it's just like a huge picture of like a black lung or something. You, right. I'll take you know what I'll take some cigarettes. Well, what kind of cigarettes do you want? I'll take the kind with the yellow rotting teeth, please. And exactly. Or you know, in some you know like Caribbean islands, it says you know this product will kill you. In huge, that's all it says in huge letters. Which is sort of awesome in a way. I mean, you know, <laughs> sort of because then it, it, here's the thing about that is it restores some of the roguish outlaw uh, type quality that cigarettes I think uh, you know they, they started to, you know they started to vanish as they became a more mainstream product. Um, now, do you know anything about laws that are going to regulate these these so-called electronic cigarettes? Um, do you know if that is covered in this at all? An electronic cigarette, if you haven't seen it, it's just it is a little plastic cylinder that looks uh, like a cigarette, shaped like a cigarette. The end of it lights up like a cigarette, but it really just gives you it is almost like an asthma inhaler shaped like a cigarette. And it just gives you a mist of nicotine into your mouth. My understanding of this bill is that is not covered in this bill, that this bill covers only tobacco products. Okay, so it actually is just a regular tobacco yeah. smokable cigarette. Yeah, so basically if you got a syringe with nicotine in it, no problem. Excellent. Well, that's going to be that'll be that'll be the next product uh, that I try, because I bought Sarah one of those electronic cigarettes in Vegas, and it is oh. amazing. Because in Portland we have a very uh, we have a, a very um, uh, draconian smoking laws here uh, about where you can smoke in public and where you cannot. And essentially, I mean, more or less, I mean, once you leave your your house at this point, you can't you can't smoke. Um, mm. And so I bought her this electronic cigarette, and so now, but there's a lot of saber rattling going on about they're going to try to. Because the man doesn't like it when you find some way to skirt his laws. Right. right. Uh, and so anytime you're having any sort of fun, uh, you know, in, in the face of his regulations, they find a way to quash that. Right. Clearly. Hey, my, and my final question about this is, so there's all of this regulation happening about smoking. So does that mean that uh, tobacco states here are just making up that money by selling uh, cigarettes overseas? That that is where they're now making most of their money. That that over the overseas market is is huge, and they're they're depending on it. But it is interesting that not all the tobacco companies are against this bill. Philip Morris 
actually is in favor of it. And some say that's because they have dominant brands, that, that their brands dominate and that they think uh, a crackdown on tobacco overall would maybe kill some of their competition. Now, who knows if that's the reason or not, but um, Philip Morris says they think it's time to step in this direction and they do care about the health of the American public and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> that's That's the best part about any of these smoking stories is the sort of the kind of uh, barely repressed sigh that that we all have to have as we sort of read the talking points from the tobacco yeah. company says uh, their products do not kill people and that they are being willfully misrepresented. They would certainly never market to five-year-olds. No, of course, that would be yeah. wrong. The reason I asked about the overseas thing is my wife actually asked me the other day. She was, I don't know, she was online looking at a stock ticker of some kind, and she said, Hey, uh, do cigarette companies, are they selling a lot of stuff to, like, developing nations? And I said... Yeah, I think so. I think that's where a lot of American tobacco farmers are selling their goods now, is in, in overseas to other other peoples. And she says, oh, that's great. Okay, then I'm going to invest more of our money in this cigarette stock. I just wanted to check. <laughs> she was afraid that there was some regulation that was going to uh, that was going to dampen their profits here in the States, and she wanted to make sure that she could you know make up for that elsewhere. Yeah, you have friends who went to a movie not long ago in Amsterdam, and they said that they walked into the theater and they, they almost couldn't see the rows of seats because everyone was smoking in there and inside the movie theater it was so thick with smoke and apparently just one theater where you could do that but uh, yeah so there's plenty of smoke in excellent well the emerson amsterdam portfolio is going to increase later today then yes yes. all right on that note lisa desjardins have a fantastic weekend hey you guys too all right talk to you soon there you go lisa desjardins from cnn all right excellent Tim Riley, when we return, what stories will we have for the people of Portland? This mass confusion about the digital TV transition. We understand KGW and OPB television have already changed already. As of like today? I I thought it was at 9 a.m. Early this morning, yeah. And then it's, uh, well, we'll have more about this confusion coming up in a few few minutes. All right, we'll get on this. to say we'll get on the chastity bono thing, but that's uh, probably a poor choice of words. And we will talk about that because I have so many questions about this story, uh, both uh, the, the medical and, and other. So uh, we'll do that. Aaron well, Duran. She's only missing one thing, basically. Well, but, th- okay, yes. I'm going to put, no, 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 I'm going to stop myself. I'm going to put a pin in this right now, mm-hmm. and it, we will revisit this on the other side. Uh, plus, and everything else already seems to be in place. Yes, it does, Tim. Except for one major piece of apparatus. The Adam's apple. Yes. I'm sorry, I just stole that joke from my Facebook page. That's not even my joke. That was a joke made by some guy who posted that on my uh, my page. Plus, Aaron Duran at 8 o'clock to talk about Pelham 123. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO, live from Portland. This is Papa Roach. Broadcasting from the greatest city on earth. Crime is down in Portland, but murders are up. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, right here on Rock 101 KUFO. Don't forget, on Monday, uh, we will have as our guest Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian and MC Hammer, ladies and gentlemen. And here's the thing about that MC Hammer interview. So it's actually happening on uh, Sunday. So I'm coming in Sunday evening because that's how much Rick Emerson loves the hammer. I'm coming in uh, Sunday evening to tape an interview with MC Hammer. So if you have uh, questions you'd like to ask him, and I know you do, you can send those to Rick at RickEmerson.com. Rick at RickEmerson.com. Uh, I, I mean, I would say that you could text them, except then you text them now, and then uh, and they're be just going to be gone by Sunday, and then the screen's going to keep auto-refreshing unless I want to install Internet Explorer, which isn't going to happen. So uh, anyway, so it's better if you just email those, frankly. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Hammer! Proper. 
feelings. There you go. That's a whole melange of MC Hammer references that you can assemble yourself later on. Here's Tim Riley at the news desk. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is 743. Expect showers all weekend. Highs in the low 70s. More than 40,000 homes in the metro area are not ready for the digital television switch today. There'll be plenty of tears as viewers without cable or converter boxes will only get snow when the analog plug is pulled. Now, the switchover times vary. We are... We understand that KGW, Channel 8, and KOPB, Channel 10, have already turned off the analog transmitters. They're only transmitting in digital now. Now, is that earlier than they were supposed to have done that? Apparently so, according to the schedule. I didn't have the schedule for OPB, but KGW said around 3.30, so perhaps they meant 3.30 this morning instead of 3.30 yesterday. Well, there's just some engineer who didn't, who just got tired of sitting out at the transmitter or whatever, you know, with his uh, alligator clips waiting to turn one thing into another thing, and F it, (laughs) he just pulled a plug out. All right. Then Fox 12 will make the transformation at 9, PDX 49 at 9.30, K2 at 11.35 tonight. So they're like the latest one. Excellent. All right. So I am one of those that. people. I'm just going to have snow now. All right. Yeah. And, well, Greg said that they were scrolling the warning underneath his, uh, I guess I'm watching the wrong channels or the right channels. or the. Uh, no, you already have your converter box. That's why you're not seeing it. But is that why I wasn't getting the warning? Right. You're all set. Well, that's creepy. How does the warning only show up hmm. on certain TVs? It knows. How does it know? It's like, it knows how to seek us out. The Skynet cable company? Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, TriMet bus and rail ridership dropped 4%. I should say 4.3% as compared to May of last year. Two reasons. People aren't riding it because they have no jobs to go to and they're staying home. Is it really? What is the point of coming into the city just to wander around That's true. Uh, and uh, stare up at the building where you used to work? And secondly, gas prices are low. Uh, that's changing quickly, though. TriMet is still hurting financially and talking about making more cuts including making you wait longer to catch the max and possibly eliminating Fairless Square, but they always threaten that. They never do it. I don't even know where Fairless Square is, by the I way. I don't understand Fairless Square. It stretches Square. from the Lloyd Center to Goose Hollow. So does that mean when you get on the bus in Fairless Square, you don't have to Yeah, pay. no, it's free. Any, traveling anywhere within there is free. Yeah. Um, but it, because at one point they expanded it, because it used to just be downtown, I think, and then they widened it. Uh, to, to go all, the, as you said, Goose Hollow all the way to Lloyd Center. But now they're talking about eliminating it altogether. But I think that's one of those things that they sort of dangle out there as a pi- uh, possibility, and then they never really do it. Because as soon as, because then there's like, it's always some. Then there's uh, the hippie. The hippie pressure. Exactly. I was going to say, there's some advocacy groups that start shrieking about how bums need a place to hang out during the day. And that place is always next to me, incidentally. Yeah. That place is always next to me. And that's only if Tim's not available because he's sort of the bum magnet, uh, so to speak. Not in a Tom Green kind of way, but you know what I mean. Here's Tim Riley. The ex-wife of the alleged white supremacist suspected in the fatal shooting of a security guard at the U.S. Holocaust Museum is uh, speaking out. Uh, She does not want to be identified as she spoke of her grief uh, hearing about, uh, well, the guy shot somebody. James Van Bruen is apparently still in critical condition, but he is still alive for some reason. So here she is. Uh, My condolences go out to the young man who was killed. Can only say how sorry I am. Really? She really sounds like it. Yeah, she, really she really... Look, here's the thing. Just go all the way. If you're going to marry and live with a white supremacist, don't insult us all by mouthing some sort of mushy apology over the airwaves. To my ears, at least, in my constitutionally protected view and opinion, it just sounds a little... It rings uh, false. It rings a little hollow to me, yes. So uh, this woman talks about where and when she believes Van Bruen's anti-Semitic views began. I only think it began in New York when he worked there at an advertising agency. Really? Yeah. 
She explains uh, why the marriage ended nearly 30 years ago. I, I was... I divorced him because of his beliefs. Okay, so wait, I should I should retract that. Okay. So this is actually the ex-wife, yeah, the not ex-wife. the wife. All no, right, no, well no. there you go. So I retract the comment. So it sounds like she dumped him when it became clear that he was, uh, you know, an a-hole. All right, well good for you. I'm sorry, Rick Emerson regrets the error. Uh, so he was angry over cutting his social security benefits and convinced uh, himself that someone in Washington was to blame. The New York Post cites Van Bruten. An acquaintance who describes him as a white supremacist in reporting the alleged gunman was barely making it and had to give away his prized computer that he wrote all that crap about online. So wait a minute. So wait. Oh, so it went from being the fault of presumably somebody at an advertising agency in New York. This yeah. is what the wife said. But mm-hmm. then it became the fault of fat cats in Washington. Yes. All right. Mm-hmm. Just trying to follow this particular thread. And being 88, he's lived long enough. <laughs> no, so I, mean, I don't see why we're spending money to make him well. For what? Let's talk about the new kids on the block. Yes. I'm glad you like that. (laughs) Well, the last thing the world needs is another new kids on the block, which is exactly why the band is suing someone for allegedly trying to form a fake new kids on the block. They just filed a federal lawsuit against a company called SM Productions that in 2005 allegedly attempted to form a new group also entitled New Kids on the Block. So SMP could record music with a band that people thought was a real deal. The suit also says SMP tried to register the band's name and the album art uh, from Hanging Tough with the U.S. Patent Office. So uh, New Kids on the Block is suing because they want the court to officially tell everyone that the NKOTB name belongs to NKOTB, and NKOTB... Trying to say that a few times fast. Anyway... Well, this is like that there was, I think, in Oregon, they just passed or they are passing a law... That will require, and I don't know how they would enforce this or how they would even really determine if you were within the parameters of the law, but I think it was in the Oregonian like two weeks ago. They're passing a law that will require that if you are advertising that like Journey is going to be coming to town, that it's got to have, there's got to be at least one original member in the band. Uh And there was, but I'd like to know the sort of specifics of that because it's like, well, I don't, because I'm not really sure what would count as an original member. Uh, I don't know if they, if there's some sort of determination about whether it has to be somebody who was in the band uh, like at the peak of their success or whatever, because especially with older bands, that trademark will sort of fall into I mean, either the public domain or just be passed from one person to another, which is how you get things like three different versions of the Drifters all sort of playing in the country at the uh, you know at the same time. Or you go to Vegas and there's like, what is that band that did get a job? The Coasters. Yeah, and there's like a coasters playing in one part of Vegas, and then you drive further down the strip, and there's like yet another version of the well, coasters playing there. Coaster. That's that's the thing. And there was, I think, not. I mean, it, 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 within just the past couple of years, there was uh, two different uh, great whites uh, touring the country at the same time. One was Jack Russell and like a bunch of dudes, and then was then was like a bunch of dudes, everybody but uh, uh, Jack Russell. So all right, well there you go. So if you uh, if you happen to see new kids on the block, look for the uh, look for the the, the bad uh, patchy goatee on uh, Donnie Wahlberg's face. That's Hanging really going to be is like the worst cover art ever, too. It's like like horrible like eighties clip art. Who'd want to register that? As opposed to the classic cover art on all of the. <laughs> As opposed to the step by step cover. Okay, that was a really good one. <laughs> the cover on No More Games, the remix album. Or Dirty Dog. Don't don't do that. Is uh, Tim Riley? Hard times are hitting actor Stephen Baldwin. Uh, his nearly one-and-a-half-acre Upper Grandview New York home goes on the auction block later this month as the actor fights for closure. The county reports that the Baldwin uh, fell more than $800,000 behind in mortgage payments with the property, attempted to put the stately 1850s home up for sale three years ago for $3.5 million, but nobody took the bite. The actor known for his role in The Usual Suspects. 
paid a half million dollars for the home back in 1997 and had high hopes for his life. Yes. <laughs> the, also, he's crazy, by the way. Yes, I think he he's on, I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here now. Is he? Because mm-hmm. he's the one he turned all godlike. Both um, of them were, Daniel and Stephen, but uh, Daniel was just kicked off of it. Wait, isn't Daniel dead? Wait, hold on. Is one of the Baldwin brothers dead? No, you're thinking of uh, the, uh, oh, whose brother is it? Wait a minute! Isn't the fat Baldwin dead? I mean, the one of the one of the fat, fat isn't Baldwin. the fattest Baldwin, the fattest Baldwin of all. I swear to God, Daniel Baldwin is dead. No, I know who you're thinking of though. I think he was in the Usual Suspects. Well, his name is Chris something. Not Chris Penn. That's who I was thinking. No, no, no. I'm not. No, Chris Penn is dead. No, he did a long time. Uh, I'm, no, all I, the Baldwins are alive. Isn't what? It, hey, Aaron Duran, just you can nod or shake your head. Daniel Baldwin dead. Really? He's a lot. No, he's on. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of no, here. No, no, no. That's Stephen Baldwin. Both of now, them were. Ah! Stop it. No. There are too many of them. We're turning into turning into South Park. I'm Alec Baldwin. Uh, all right. Hold on. Daniel Baldwin. I'm looking this up in real time. Yes, I am. Daniel Baldwin. So he's on. Alive or dead? He's on. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of he here just now. just kicked off yesterday. All right. Hey, okay. Here's a dumb question. I don't mean to sound out of touch with my own culture. What is I'm a celebrity? Get me out of here. Wait. I know everybody watches it, but is it like Survivor meets like yeah. celebrities? Yeah, they kind of the just plunk a bunch of like D-list celebrities in the middle of the jungle and they make them all kind of cat fight for food and stuff. A real jungle? Mm-hmm. All right, hold on. Daniel Leroy Baldwin. Uh, Leroy. Uh, uh, October 5th, 1960s birthday. Is an American actor, producer, and director. Director, is, please. <laughs> directing a sandwich into his mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is the second oldest of the four Baldwin brothers, all of all of whom are actors. At a certain point, you just need to have either quotes or rim shots all the way through this. Um, says here he's still alive. Wait, okay, he was all, he was on Celebrities Fit Club, a Celebrity Fit Club on VH1. Uh, he was the team captain of the East Side. Oh my God! In 2005, he was featured in VH1 Celebrity Fit Club, a reality show in which overweight celebrities compete to see who can shed the most pounds. Is that the one that had um, that's the Janie scale, Lane? I think is that the yeah, Janie Lane was it? Because that's not the biggest loser. The biggest loser is just regular people, right? Just regular fat people. Yeah. And this is fat celebrities. I can't keep up with all this reality. Who has time to watch them all? My wife. He okay. was the team captain of the East Siders, which also fe- featured Biz Marquee, plus size model Mia Tyler, who is Steven Tyler's other daughter. By the way, she's the daughter they don't really pay much attention to because she's huge. Um, and actor uh, Joe Ganascoli. Uh, and okay, you're, uh, he was on C- Celebrity Rehab. That's why I think he's dead because he was on Celebrity Rehab with Dr. Drew. And so I was thinking that he had overdosed, but maybe he was just booted off the show. Mm. Boy, he's just a sweaty bastard, though. Every time you see him, and it's made more confusing by the fact that I think Daniel Baldwin's character on Homicide Life on the Street died. Oh, that uh, could be him. Uh, of a drug overdose, which which doesn't seem like it's, you know, like out of the question for him. But every time you see him, it's like he's just been locked in a sauna and pelted uh, with oil. Uh, he just comes out just looking just greasy and squishy and he just squashy. Like he smells really, really he bad. Really, I mean, all the Baldwins look like they smell except for Alec. Alec looks as though he smells of Vitalis and money. Billy Baldwin uh, and Sliver didn't look like he smelled. No, but but here's the thing. As you say that now. I don't even know what Billy Baldwin looks like. Actually, I don't know what he looks like now. I can't remember what he looked like then. Tim, what does Billy Baldwin look like? I don't remember. Because here's how you go through it. Alec Baldwin mm-hmm. is uh, sort of a pompadour, kind of slick slick black hair, you know, and sort of, uh, you know, he looks like he looks like Blake and Glinkery Glenn Ross, as he always does. But he looks very sort of, I would say, sophisticated, kind of a classic 1940s, 50s look. Uh, Stephen Baldwin, fat. Uh, no, 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 I'm sorry. Dan- Daniel Baldwin, fat. Stephen Baldwin... It's like they're the Spice Girls. Stephen Baldwin, bull haircut. 
ice eye, dead ice, uh, ice colored eyes. He's got the very, very, very light blue eyes, and he's got like that mo haircut going on all the time. Billy Baldwin, nothing. See, but he doesn't. But that's like a picture from like twenty years ago, and and he looks like he's auditioning to be on the Heights. All right. Well, I've got nothing. We should quit talking about the Baldwins. Let's do one more here, and then we'll uh, get caught up. I worked in PR for one of his movies. Who? Uh, Stephen Baldwin. I worked on Bitter Harvest. My job was <laughs> to keep the paparazzi away from his female co-star, who was British. But well, it, who was his female co-star? I Someone... can't remember what her name was. Well, clearly you did the clearly you did the right job because there was not even sufficient press for me to know her name. Well done. Anyway, so Stephen Baldwin apparently is uh, is selling. If you'd like to own a Baldwin uh, residence, you can do that because Jesus isn't helping him. Uh, isn't helping him make the mortgage payments. By the way, here's the the funny thing about Stephen Baldwin. Every time you read an article about Stephen Baldwin now, at some point, the author will either explicitly or between the lines indicate uh, how he was either uh, apparently how it appeared that he was either trying to get drugs or trying to uh, pick up on uh, the female, quote, fans who would come by. I just read this great book. Which one, Stephen or Daniel? Stephen, the the Jesus-y one. Um, who I think in one in an interview about a year and a half ago was talking to a guy about you know and I used to do cocaine all the time and uh, you know and I I really did that um, a lot and uh, you know I had to get away from it and the interviewer says something like um, the interviewer says something like well uh, you know a lot of people have uh, have struggled with cocaine addiction it can be very powerful and Stephen Baldwin says something like really so I mean do you have any <laughs> which is great. I just read this book called uh, Game Boys by a guy named Michael Caine, which is a pretty fascinating book. It's a, it's a look at the rise of um, the the professional video gaming uh, slice of the, of, of, of the world, where there are you know these dudes who make a living. They they make forty or fifty or sixty grand a year playing video games, and they go at one point to a whole convention where there's just guys in a room playing this game called Counter Strike, which is a first person shooter. Anyway. And so what they, you know, they do the way they always do, where they they set up like an X Games sort of thing in the parking lot. So there's the actual like video game convention having taking place inside and then outdoors in the parking lot. There's like skateboarders and, you know, like BMX guys and other sort of extreme uh, athletes. And then Stephen Baldwin is there handing out Jesus flyers and then just relentlessly trying to pick up on all of the uh, somewhat youngish girls who come by, uh, you know, because they're confusing him with somebody else. It's all very awkward. Oh, Michael Vick has just been released from the Atlanta Falcons. Their manager says it gives him the opportunity to find a job for another team. <laughs> really? Yes. Well, we'll wait for that announcement later on today then. Excellent. All right. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO coming up at the top of the hour. Aaron Duran will be here to talk about Pelham 123. This is the offspring from Rise and Fall, Rage and Grace. This is You're Gonna Go Far, Kid. It's the Rick Emerson Show at Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO! Pop, pop, pop! Portland. It is the Rick Emerson Show. We are live from Portland, Oregon on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It's 503-228-4101. In uh, just moments, we'll be joined by Aaron Duran of GeekInTheCity.com. Hello, Aaron Duran of GeekInTheCity.com. Hello. How's it going? Uh, It's going fantastically. Uh, Did you ride your bike here today? I I tried to. Tried? I had tire fail. Try not. Do or do not. I didn't even have time to change my my butt pants. (laughs) My butt pants. (laughs) As opposed to your what? forehead pants. Yeah, what are your butt pants? Hold me, these face pants are way no, too tight. Give me just one second. They're those special biking pants that prevents unpleasantness within the nether regions when you're riding a bike a lot. 
What's going on with your spandex? What's wrong with your butt? Yeah, there's it's like that. No, it's not spandex. It's that. Well, it's some kind of dex. And then it has pads around the special parts what, what, to prevent everyone, blood circulation. Hold on, and, everyone, stop. What? What special parts are you, ta- are you talking about? The, the the business, or are you talking about your ass? The special. Well, I consider both rather special areas. Your butt pants. What what is wrong with your butt? That, that your well, nothing's wrong with because I'm wearing my butt a- pants. How much do you pay for special butt pants? Uh, they're like twenty five bucks. In any event, so and then you you drink, then you biked over a wine bottle. Yeah, there was a shattered wine bottle that I didn't see, and all of a sudden I hear this. That's always the best thing. And, and then I'm like, wait a minute, why is it so much harder to pedal? Oh. And, <laughs> and this always happens to me when I'm like, I, you know, like back when in those days when I was bicycling to work, it would never happen like 30 feet from the house. It always happens as I'm like, I don't know, like maybe 40% of the way. Yeah. So it just, you can't turn around and go back. You just got to like keep walking the bike to work and then you get to walk. And then you realize the difference between walking and biking. There is actually a bigger jump in terms of travel velocity between walking and biking than there is between biking and driving. Oh, oh yeah, and you notice it. Yeah. I mean, walking uh, w- with your bike after one of your tires has gone out is just the most excruciating, tedious thing on earth. And in your head, all you hear is the sad Charlie Brown music. And everybody's sort of driving by and looking at you. And they're judging you. They don't notice your flat tire. They just look at you and say, look at that fat lady. <laughs> they man. think you look can't make it up the hill. Look at that bastard. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so Aaron will be here to talk about uh, Pelham 123 here in just a, a few minutes. Tim Riley is working on the following stories on this Friday. Making method grandmas. It can only happen in Gresham. We'll have more on that coming up in a few minutes. More children, our most valuable natural resource, will be insured by the state. Thousands of them. Well, now another woman says that the Craigslist murderer contacted her trying to buy her breast pump. We'll have more later. All right. Uh, And just real quickly, let me just get a couple of these uh, stories out of the way, and then uh, we'll get uh, caught up. We'll have the review of Pelham 123. We'll do uh, a uh, giveaway of the shield. When John Travolta's like all gangster. Yes, well, because he's doing that thing of trying to make, I mean, Aaron will have more on this, but he's doing that thing of, of playing a, a villain. And so Greg and I were talking about this during the break that it's, it, which is, here's the thing about John Travolta, just my own personal slice of philosophy. He's a, he's a great actor. And sometimes when you don't think he's going to be able to pull it off, like, I don't want to just sort of dismiss him just to, just to be like a, a like wacky radio guy who just thinks everything sucks. Because sometimes he, uh, when you don't think he's going to do a good job, he really nails it. And mm-hmm. to me, the best example of that was in uh, Primary Colors, which I was all primed to hate because I loved the book. And he's so clearly doing Bill Clinton in that movie. I mean, it's just, I mean, to the point that, I mean, the, I mean, you know, the character's supposed to be Bill Clinton anyway, but I mean, in the movie, he's got like, he's got like these obviously like fake gray eyebrows and fake gray hair, and he's doing this. He's doing the voice that every stand-up comic does to try to do Bill Clinton, where I'm talking about just wanting to go, uh, you know, eat, eat a Big Mac. And you think it's going to be unwatchable. And then about six minutes in, the weird thing happens where you kind of go... And you just forget that it's uh, that it's John Travolta, and in fact, you forget that he's doing Bill Clinton, and he just becomes Jack Stanton. So occasionally he makes it work. Sometimes he does not. I'm looking at you, Turl, in Battlefield Earth. So we'll we'll talk about uh, that here in just a few. I want to get just a couple of these uh, out of the way quickly. Uh, one of these is a follow up on something we did a couple weeks ago. So our favorite person of the whole world, Danny Gans, dead, died accidentally, says the coroner. Um, Las Vegas entertainer Danny Gans' death was accidental, caused by a prescription painkiller, a coroner said this week. Clark County Coroner Mike Murphy said an autopsy, toxicology, and microscopic samples showed the 52-year-old Gans died from toxic levels of hydromorphone, uh, which is an opiate commonly marketed under the brand name Dilaudid, which is used to treat uh, chronic pain and also seizures, I believe. Um, anyway, so he had heart disease, blah, 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 one too many pills. 
Danny Gans. Mm. Part two. Lauren Hill cancels all European tour dates. In other news, Lauren Hill is touring. Stockholm festival organizers say hip-hop and R&B singer Lauren Hill has canceled all tour. Who, if I had given you a list of people from whom to choose and I'd said, hey, who's touring Europe right now just had to cancel all her dates? I could, you could have guessed until midnight if you ever were to come up with Lauren Hill. Uh, Jazz Festival spokeswoman Lisa Tolanen says the artist agent informs the festival late Tuesday all of Lauren Hill's performances in Europe have been canceled. Apparently she's on, quote, a comeback tour. Uh, although she is kept, uh, what they are charitably referring to here is a low public profile in recent years because she's gone crazy. Oh, she's mental. Remember that last picture we saw of her where she looks like a crazy clown lady? And that thing where she, she doesn't leave her house. She just sits there with some guy in a house dress, uh, you know, with a lute who apparently is her, her guru. And then this is the uh, final thing. Attention, Tim Riley. Yes. Tim Riley, Larry King is a lot of things, but he's not one to back down from a bet. The iconic CNN host has agreed to give a rare one-night-only performance next month at Steve Wynn's Encore Casino in Las Vegas after receiving a personal dare from Steve Wynn himself. Larry King apparently agreed to the engagement only after receiving the resort mogul's challenge. All bets aside, the Emmy Award-winning cable news personality, Larry King, appears at the Encore Theater 8 p.m. June 19th. As with his popular program, Larry King Live, nothing will be off limits as Larry King discusses the colorful personalities and experiences he has encountered during his long and legendary career. King's wife, country singer Sean King, will serve as the night's opening act. Tickets for the event are $59 to $79, and I so desperately wish I could go see this. So I won't be able to, unfortunately. Does it but... say the bet? Uh, I think Steve Wynn just, uh, just uh, they they must have been it's talking about something. Around. I don't know. It sounds like it was on the show, but apparently it climaxed in Steve Wynn saying, well, you'd never get on stage and do stand-up or talk to the people, and Larry King, I would so, and now he is. So there you go. So I have to find somebody who's going to go to this uh, so we can get the uh, get the report on it. All right. Straight ahead, we have Aaron Duran reviewing Pelham 123, and uh, Tim Riley will have news for us later in the hour, including this alternately fascinating and horrifying chastity bomber story. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101. KUFO here is ACDC. More of the Rick Emerson Show in mere moments. Only on Rock 101. KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show, live from Portland, Oregon, on Rock 101 KUFO. It's 503-228-4101. In just a moment, we'll find out what stories Tim Riley is tracking on your Friday. Aaron Duran will talk about Pelham 123. Uh, right now, ladies and gentlemen, is your uh, chance to win a copy of The Shield Season 7 on DVD. The mind-blowing final sheet... The mind-blowing final season of The Shield, just once, for the love of God Almighty. I would like to have it? copy points that I... All right, Mr. Smarty Man. That's it. Mr. Ass Pants. <clears throat> Uh, Ass pants give me power. Mr. NWA, Mr. Uh, y'all better make way. All right. Uh, just go ahead and read those. What uh, am I doing? Read those copy points where it says The Shield. All right. The Shield, season seven on DVD. The mind-blowing final season of The Shield starring Emmy Award winner Michael Chiklis and loaded with exclusive new bonus features available on DVD now. Give me the... <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Well, that's like last week I couldn't say the Polonic Pygmy uh, thing to save my life. That is hard. Uh, it was Charles Polonic. That's, that's right. Well, they, and, that's, and twice it said Charles Polonic, which actually... Does it say Charles Polonic on the book? No. No, because that oh. would be silly. All right. In any event... Uh, here's how you can win a copy of The Shield Season 7 on DVD. If you are the 10th person to text the uh, correct word, and I'm going to give you a little sentence here. you got to fill in the blank. If you can text the correct word to 52051, 52051, if you are the 10th person to do that. 
At the finale of season two of The Shield, Vic Mackey, Shane Vendrell, and Curtis Lemansky steal millions of dollars from the blank money train. At the end of season two, Vic, Shane, and uh, Curtis Lemansky steal millions of dollars from the blank money train. We text the missing word there to 52051 if you're the 10th person to do so. You win a copy of The uh, Shield Season 7 on DVD. Tim Riley, what stories are we following for the good people of the Rose City? The Craigslist murderer is back in the news. A woman has come forward to report she was contacted by Karina Roberts. Everett police tase a belligerent driver who refused to get out of his car. Then they shot him, and now he's dead. More than 40,000 homes in the metro are not ready for digital television. Too late. They're pulling the plug on it. Excellent. Uh, all right. Abandon all cable, ye who enter here. Hello, Aaron Duran. Hello. All right. So Pelham 123, which is a remake of The Taking of Pelham 123. Yeah. Or yeah. reimagining or reboot or whatever we're calling it yeah, now. Yeah, I don't like that they call these things reboots. Just call them remakes. That's I mean, what they are. Just say this is recycled idea number 742. Right. And this is John Travolta as the bad guy, Denzel Washington as the good the guy. good guy. Man, I wish Denzel would play more roles where he was just a, where he was a villain or where he was somehow. Oh, he was a badass in American Gangster. Well, I mean, oh, American yeah, he was great in that. Oh, yeah. American Gangster, great film, and then also Training Day, uh, which is I, not a not not a great movie, but I, he is good in yeah. Training Day. Um, so he's a guy that I wish would sort of take a little more variation uh, in his roles. Travolta has done a lot of stuff where he's playing the bad guy, and we were talking about this earlier, with sort of mixed success. Uh, what is the, uh, what's the verdict on this? Uh, well, on this one, Travolta kind of, I, I feel he kind of misses it on the villain role on this one. I think Travolta works when he's kind of that, um, that slimy villain, mm-hmm. you know, or snarky villain. But in this one, he's just kind of a hard ass. And it's a little hard. It's just, it's kind of hard to believe. But this is really similar to the original one. John Travolta and his gang of ruffians. Uh, take Pelham one two three. It's a subway in New York. They take it hostage. They hold hostages, and Denzel Washington is the poor guy who picks up the phone when the phone call comes in because he's just a subway control operator. Which made me wonder. I wonder if that's really what the New York subway system looks like, the control center, because it looks like they're you know from ground control, like mission control, con- mission control. With <laughs> yeah, Ed it's, all, it's all pretty and cool. And I kept waiting for like touch screens and stuff. But um, the movie works when it's just those two. Going at it like over the phone lines, sort of like uh, like Dennis Hopper and Keanu Reeves and Speed. Yeah, I mean that's when it works. But then like when the, the the commercials they keep playing where he says they want me to take the money down myself, then it just kind of degrades into a, a low rent diehard, which, and, and that's where it kind of falters. And that's the problem with it, the, in living in a post diehard era is you've got that film to rip off, and right. everybody else kind of just everybody does that, uh, yeah. you know, and they sort of default to. You know the blueprint that has been done before, and it's hard to it's it's and you can't surpass the blueprint most of the time. Yeah, so it's not that it's a bad film; it's just kind of a generic run of the mill Hollywood thriller. There's really nothing that stands out about it, and there's nothing that makes it you know stink either. I mean, it's no Land of the Lost levels of suckdom. Um, not much can be. And Denzel Washington uh, says he really enjoyed working with uh, John Travolta. That's what he said. He's a good bad guy. He's a nut. You know, and we, we, we again we had a great time. You know, we both. Couple of guys who grew up in the tri-state area, and uh, John Travolta likes uh, Denzel Washington. You know, we're the same age. We are of, of similar presence on screen. Uh, I felt no. very no, you're not. No, <laughs> yeah, failed. Good match with Denzel. We. No, someone's I'm... misjudged their, uh, their <laughs> presence on screen. Yes, really. Someone is paying too much attention to their own PR. Yes. Would anybody like a scene full of violence? Sure. Woo-hoo. All right, let's play it. Who is this? This is Lieutenant Caminetti. I'm with the NYPD hostage negotiation team. I'd like to talk to you about the situation that we're in. Yeah, well, I want to talk to Garber. 
I'm sorry, Mr. Ryder, but Mr. Garber is no longer involved. Motorman, up! Put Garber on the line. To be honest, Mr. Garber has gone home. Put Garber on the line or I kill the motorman. <laughs> I guarantee you, Mr. Ryder, I am the best person for you to be talking like to right now. Just give me a moment and I'll explain why. How do they fly a helicopter in the subway? One to go. Thanks. <laughs> That sounds a lot like the David Carradine yeah. sound, but you're absolutely right. <laughs> Where the Carradine family, you know, is sort of, we thank you for your sympathy at this time. Please respect the family's privacy. We would like to thank everyone for their heartfelt expressions of love and sympathy for what we are going through. This is a devastating loss for our family, and we greatly appreciate the compassion pouring in from all over the world. Boys and bikinis, pass me the Red Bull. That is fantastic. Passionate. Yeah. Uh, real quickly, I know you're not a fan of Land of the Lost. Apparently, no, no one no in America one is. was. No, uh, not at all. Here's a movie that is doing even more uh, poorly, indeed even more poorly, but that you really ought to see anyway. And this is the last time I'm going to make the pitch for it. Uh, I do believe at some of the beer theaters around town, you can see Observe and Report with Seth Rogen. It was playing at the Baghdad for like a day. Here's the thing. I still haven't I, seen it. I, uh, you, I... I'm not going to sell past the clothes because, I mean, look, the, the movie all but vanished after the first couple weeks anyway. I'm going to say this. You may go see Observe and Report, and you may walk out and say to yourself, uh, you, I mean, you may not like the movie. You may loathe everyone in it. There's no one likable in the film. I'll put it that way. There's nobody likable in the film. There are no heroes in the film. Um, the, 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 it is it is not what you think it's going to be. Even hearing me describe it like this and telling you it's not a comedy, it's not, it's not even like a dark comedy. It's just not really a comedy at all. I so desperately wish that I had seen Observe and Report before we talked to Anna Ferris, mm-hmm. because I have a billion questions that I want to ask her and Seth Rogen both about this movie. It is just, I will say this, you need to see Observe and Report because A, you want to watch it and imagine to yourself what the studio must have said as they sat around screening what they were almost assuredly told was a wacky new Seth Rogen film. <laughs> I mean, they must have been told, like, it's from the it's from the uh, Pineapple Express guy. It's going to be a laugh-filled, uh, rib-tickling slap fest, you know? And then just to imagine what their reaction was when they saw this film that got turned in. And also, just to be astounded that the freaking movie got made at all. And just to marvel at the levels of of just social uh, impropriety and and, uh, and 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 just and the staggering numbers of offensive things that happened in the film. Okay, it looks like it's playing at the Kennedy School tonight at nine fifty five. So here's, I, I, I am of mixed emotions. I I don't know whether to recommend seeing it at a beer theater or not because here's the deal: when Laura and I went to see Observe and Report, it was before kind of the word about what sort of movie it was. Uh, and it really is, in, in my opinion, this is, I am simply speaking for myself. I am not, you may disagree and that's fine. Here's the thing. It, two people could go see Observe and Report. Somebody could think it's brilliant, which I do. And some people could think it's awful. And the thing is, you you could both be right, which is a thing you would, doesn't sound like it makes any sense, but you'll understand when you see it. Laura and I saw it in a regular theater, and there was a bunch of people there who, like the studio, thought they were going to see a new kooky film with the funny fat guy. And it was really awkward because it became clear pretty uh, early on it's not that movie. Uh, and then you think it's going to be a romantic comedy. And it turns out pretty quickly it's not that either. If you go see it at a beer theater, the my only concern is there's going to be a bunch of people there who are all liquored up. And they are going to try to make it into the movie they want it to be by laughing at all the wrong places. Like they're going to sort of try to like Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice and try to make it into a yeah. kooky film, which it's not. It. So uh, whether it's tonight at a, you know at at, at uh, Kennedy School or whether you get it on DVD, 
you have to see it. I mean, it's just it's just staggering. It is just the most amazing film. And I will this one sentence, then we'll break. We'll come back with Tim Riley. Uh, my friend Patrick, who knows a lot about movies, he and I were talking about Observe and Report, and he summed it up with the single best explanation I could give that movie. He says, and when you watch it, you'll know how true this is. He says, Observe and Report is a movie made by the mentally ill for the mentally ill. And the message of the movie is there's nothing wrong with being mentally ill. And I cannot agree more. That is the best single summation of that movie I could possibly come up with. It's just, it's it's staggering. It really is. All right. Aaron Duran, geekinthecity.com. Yes. What else is happening there people need to see? Uh, what is happening right now is I do believe within somewhere in Portland, Dead Snow opens in America today. Zombie Nazis. And uh, we are working on an interview with the creators of Left for Dead. Dude. Yeah. Oh. Awesome. Yeah. I see envy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, on the uh, immediate horizon, Tim Riley will have news for you, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101. KUFO. Here's Wolf Mother. The Rick Emerson Show. We want to take a moment to talk about one of our uh, proud pond. Uh, you know, I, I was going to talk about uh, Secret Artvark uh, here using this email that I got. They are one of the proud partners on The Rick Emerson Show, and they help uh, make this fine brand of entertainment and amusement possible for all of you. It's from a guy named Matt. He listens to us in Seattle, and I don't have his email in front of me at the moment. I'll, uh, I'll read it on Monday. To summarize, he heard us talking about it, and he'd had the same problem that a lot of people have, where he uh, goes through one hot sauce after another, kind of looking for you know the perfect sauce. You're looking for something that is the right combination of flavor and heat, something that isn't basically just red vinegar in a jar, because that's what a lot of it ends up being. And you'll see, you know, you, maybe your own cupboard is like this, mine was, where you open it up, and you've got, well, five different bottles, another three in the fridge. Uh, you've used, you know, uh, one or two splashes of each of them. You realize it's not what you're looking for, but you don't want to throw it away because you've paid for it. And then it sits there and just uh, kind of coagulates, and then you got nothing. So when you try Secret Aardvark, you're going to notice something right away. First of all, it's got a lot of great flavor to it, and it's real ingredients. You can tell you that there's onion, there's tomato, there's a garlic, there's habanero. It's all blended together. It's all natural, and it's got flavor and heat and it's just hot enough that you can uh, taste it. It's there. It gives it extra spice. It gives it extra kick. But it's not going to mask the flavor of whatever you're eating. And the upshot of that is the practical impact. You can put it on almost everything. I mean, everything from your omelet in the morning to your pizza at night, everything in between. It's going to become the most frequently used condiment, spice. Uh, it's going to become the sauce of choice for you, for all the foods you eat in your house. You don't take my word for it. You could try it yourself. You go to secretardvark.com. You can find out where they serve it restaurant-wise and where they sell it store-wise. And you can also get it sent right to you, whether you're in Seattle or anywhere. Secretardvark.com is the website for that. They are a Portland company, so you can feel good about that as well. Secret Aardvark Habanero Hot Sauce. One sauce to rule them all. More of the Rick Emerson Show in mere moments. Only on Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show live from Portland on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It's Friday morning. All right, so just one moment here. We'll have... Uh, well, I've news. I should read. Uh, I should read a couple of these. Tim, did you did you get this uh, link somebody uh, sent to? Um, this is the website at, uh, at on KGW's webpage, or the another website, the message board. No, I haven't read it. All right, let me just uh, let me just look at a couple of these. So these are this is uh, these are user comments. These are people mm-hmm. who have uh, logged in and they posted observations. Uh, at uh, at KGW's website about the digital TV thing, which is uh, a little flummoxing to everybody. 
So I'm just going to read a couple of these. This is the message board there about the DTV transition or switchover, whatever they're calling it. Everything starts off uh, on the right foot where it's a lot of, um, um, uh, you know, I anticipate converting to DTV sometime this year. I look forward to this exciting transition, blah, 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 blah. Then, then it all goes south about four comments in. My TV wasn't working this morning. I then realized it was unplugged. It works now. Yay. <laughs> Next one. This is over-sensationalized poppycock. Find some other non-event to report on. Followed by... Alas, I remember when TV was free. Now it's not, and everybody is fat. What does that tell you? <laughs> Followed by... This is the next uh, comment on the KGW message board. Dummies everywhere. Humans are a freak show. All lowercase, no, no punctuation. Uh, how about this? This is the most advertised event since the second coming. If you are not ready, then to hell with you. Next comment. If I have a digital thermometer, can I use that for my antenna? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. What else? Is there anything else here that's that's that good? Uh, let's see. How about this one? For those who are not ready for the conversion, just get a library card. That doesn't make any sense. I haven't heard of this one, says the next one. I wish they'd give me more time. Followed by, well, that's just too damn bad. You've had two years to get it fixed, idiots. All right, there you go. Excellent. This has been another installment of things posted by KGW's viewers. Here's Tim Riley at the news desk. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. And it's not necessarily fun. There's any of those websites because people are anonymous. And when they can be, they just turn into, well, insane. As people. somebody once said, uh, a person plus internet plus anonymity equals jackass. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm it's sorry. Full of it. My computer's still making noise there. Okay. Well, good morning, everyone. It's 847. Expect showers all weekend. Highs in the 60s. Yes. The, uh, we have more than 40,000 homes in the Portland metro area not ready for the digital TV switch. There'll be plenty of tears as viewers without cable turn on their TVs and find nothing but snow forever. The switch over times, very KGW already did there as, as did OPV. And let's see, Channel 12 at 9 this morning, 49, whatever that is, is at 9.30. And then... K2 is probably the last one at 11.35 tonight. Carl Click will be throwing the master switch. He's As standing he there, be. illuminated in a spotlight and uh, glowing. Yet life goes on here, digital or not digital. Making method grandmas. Tracy Lane has been charged with setting up a lab at her grandma's Gresham home at Southeast 223rd in Ash, convenient to the Clear Creek Middle School. Grandma was unaware that this was going on. Other news, the woman charged with throwing her kids on the bridge under the Willamette assaulted the guy who later became her husband nine years ago. Amanda Stott Smith bit Jason Smith on his torso, gave him a bloody nose, kicked him in the shin. The charges were dismissed, yet love won out. Maybe it was just were a married. foreplay of some kind. Maybe that's, maybe that's how he liked it. Oh, that could be. Now on to the Craigslist murderer. A woman has come forward to report she had been contacted by Karina Roberts when she placed an ad on Craigslist saying, Anybody want a breast pump? <laughs> That's breast pump, by the way, is a noun, not a verb. Mm -hmm. She wasn't offering a uh, a service. No, no. It's an apparatus. Uh, she heard from Roberts. There was an exchange of emails. They never met. It's unclear who the lucky buyer was for the breast pump. Stop it. Sorry. No. So let's talk about uh, former Miss California. 
Carrie Prejean. She tells Billy Bush she really doesn't understand why she was fired by Donald Trump. Seems to me communication has always been the, the issue here, that the, the two parties, you and the organization, never yeah. talked well. Yeah, I've tried to reach out to them, and I've, I've done several appearances, and I've been cooperating with them. I don't see why, you know, I don't see why this is happening. One offer Carrie did turn down was posing for Playboy. He offered me a Playboy job. He says, yeah, I have two requests. One is I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. He gave the rate and everything, and then the other one was Playboy. I mean, why is my director giving me Playboy jobs? He said, it's 140000 Let me know if you want to do it. And this is in writing through an email. Is everything? not believe it. Is everything taking place at a Tahitian rave? What's going so. on with that background? I don't know, but it's terrific, isn't it? It's like some. It's like some sort of a. Uh, it's like some sort of a wrestling event at Jeff Probst's house. It's still not better than the Keith uh, Carradine announcement. We would like to thank everyone for their heartfelt expressions of love and sympathy for what we are going through. This is a devastating loss for our family, and we greatly appreciate the compassion pouring in from all over the world. Girls on surfboards, the germiest place in the world. This, according to uh, TripAdvisor.com, is the Blarney Stone. 400,000 lips from all over the world oh. touch it every year. Uh, you think uh, they'd offer lip protectors in a machine like those toilet seat protectors? Yeah, some sort of a dental dam for the statue. The second one, the Wall of Gum in Seattle. Who would the be Wall of that? Gum. Where's the Wall of Gum? The giant Wall of Gum. You wouldn't think it'd be hard to spot. It says it's a b- bizarre tradition at Seattle's Market Theater in Post Alley. It has turned into a fantastic Jeremy attraction, a giant wall of gum. Started in the 1990s, visitors began sticking their gum to the wall while waiting in line, and the rest is history. Well, it's like there's that place at Disneyland, I forget where, but there's like uh, one of those rides. You couldn't do this anywhere else because it would take your arm off. But there's some ride that, like, right as it gets going out of the gate, there's, like, a wall you go by and everybody, and they chisel it off every day because they're Disneyland. But if you go there by, like, at noon, it's it's covered again with gum. Okay, uh, I am calling dibs on this now. We don't have time to do it now. We're going to do this mm-hmm. Monday. You sons of bitches out there. This is uh, ours. Jeremy's Place in Portland. Oh, I thought you were going to start our own wall of gum. No. No, I think that's called vandalism. <laughs> uh, we'll do the Chastity Bono thing here in just a second. But I, uh, is it Bono or Bono? See, now I don't even know. Chastity Bono. Bono. Bono, I don't know what to say. I'm sorry. I Jeremy's uh, 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 place in Portland. Okay, Rick speaking Emerson of, is calling dibs on that right now. Speaking of germs, I was looking at mm. breast pumps on Craigslist. <laughs> there are 71 breast pumps for sale. Used breast pumps. How much is a used one? Uh, fifty dollars for. So a you got to figure a regular one's a hundred bucks. Twenty-five, forty-five. Is a money back if not delighted? Yeah, I, I'm already delighted. Two so, for one twenty-five. Two for one. Well, you have two two boobs, so I mean, no way. You can leave one at like your a, summer home. A double breast pump and a single <laughs> handheld. It's like how I have a charger at home for my MacBook and a charger at work for my MacBook. No matter where you go, you can be pumping away. All right, here's Tim Riley. Are they battery operated or a plug-in item? I don't. I know think the it depends on the brand, Tim Riley. Yes. Well, this woman wasn't so lucky after all. The woman who missed her flight, the Air France flight that crashed into the ocean, has been killed in a car crash. Oh. Joanna Gunthe, or a pensioner from the Bozana Bozen province of Italy. Stupid destiny. Had been on holiday in Brazil with her husband and missed Air, Air France flight 449, which and she turned up late. Uh, she died with her car veered off the road in Austria when she swore to avoid an oncoming truck. That is so Final a, Destination. A log truck, creepy. no doubt. Yeah. yeah. Jesus. All right. That's that. And, of course, the big news of the day, Chastity Bono, or Bono, is becoming a male. She was a female. So, but, I mean, so she's doing the surgery? I guess so. She's making the Indian Audi? 
Well, see, okay, but that, that's my question. We'll have to talk to, uh, talk to uh, Dax Holt from TMZ about this uh, next week. But first of all, did you see that photo that TMZ is running of her? Have the you one... seen the, where it says exclusive at the top of the red banner and it's her, she's tilting her head to our left, her right? I think I have seen that one. Yeah, that's the one that we keep joking the main picture, that it, right? I keep joking that she looks like our uh, former coworker Matt Peterson, uh, who now works at uh, what we will call another radio station here. But she's even tilting her head in the same direction. Look, it's oh yeah. She's even. It's like even the angle of the head is such like if Matt were to go as a lady for Halloween. Um, All right, hang on. I'm looking. Which reflects more more poorly on on her, I think, than on Matt. Somebody did the best they could. With it's her. just it's, you mean like that? Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's the exact same. Picture. That's what I'm saying. Like if you were to tilt his head a little more, Matt Peterson is Chastity Bono. Matt There's just, Peterson you know, is Chastity Bono. There's just no getting around it. But okay, but here's my question about about the sex change. I wish we had what's her name back on. We should get a uh, 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 Yvonne. Um, Fulbright, who was the sexologist we talked to earlier about the autoerotic asphyxiation thing. Mm-hmm. Why can I say that, but I can't say S.H.I.E.L.D. season seven? <laughs> I don't know. Moving on, <laughs> we should get her back on next week because, A, I liked her a lot, and, B, it'll give me a chance to uh, non-creepily ask her what she looks like. But, C, okay, if you're a, a, a man and you're becoming a lady, I understand how they do that. If you're a lady becoming a man, where do they get the—how do I put this? I believe it's the hormones. No, no, no. That's oh, not the, what I'm asking. Uh, the no, thing? No. Where, from where does the extra skin come? From a donor? I don't know. <laughs> How would you even solicit for that? On Craigslist. Well, I knew you were going to say that. All right, we'll end it there. That's uh, that's a good callback. We'll just bring the curtain down there. All right. It was tasteless, but not worth a few other things you said today. <laughs> not at all. Uh, we want to thank Cena Radio Correspondents Lisa Desjardins and Steve Kastenbaum, as well as uh, Yvonne uh, Fulbright. Her website is unknown to me at this time. Wait, hold on. Her website is sexualitysource.com. Also, Aaron Duran from geekinthecity.com. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day and occasionally by Greg Nibbler, but mostly by Sarah X. Dillon. For Rock 101 KUFO, in the newsroom, Tim Riley. Production assistant is Greg Nibbler. The uh, 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 gatekeeper is Dave Zinn at the front desk. Webmistress Bridget from upstairs, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Don't F With Me Reynolds, executive producer Christopher J. Paddock. Uh, and, of course, Smells Like the 90s coming up next with our good friend Buzz. It is Friday, June 12, 2009, and that is the frequency, Kenneth. My name is Rick Emerson. Thank you for listening. Be safe. We will see you all on Monday. Have a good weekend now. Bye. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep is now concluded. Thank you for listening.